Season 2, Westworld. Today, my man. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Dude, I was so impressed with the writing on this thing. We were talking about that a little bit today. It's just, uh, I know um, we were splitting the episodes up a little bit. So what we're going to do, it's kind of going to be the same way uh, for the remainder of Westworld. We'll be tackling today, uh, Season 2, Episodes 1, 2, 3, and 4. Next week, we'll tackle uh, Season 2, Episodes five six and seven and then we'll finish up season two with uh eight nine and ten uh so today you'll really hear one through four but to, to the point we're talking we both finished uh season two and man it really is super well written like it really is man i wish we could take the writers and jj abrams and put them in season eight of game of thrones yeah it yeah been perfect 100 percent. like that the, we were talking about it too is that uh I was just watching the, the, the show and like with the on, like, oncoming credits, I did see that J.J. Abrams was an executive producer. At least the season two of Westworld, I, I can't confirm. I didn't really do any research to see if he was a part of season one at all. But I did see him as an executive producer for season two. But, you know, I already thought that season one was pretty cool with like the twists and turns that it had and full circle moments and get your mind thinking. But season two knocked out all the water, man. Like, there were times, and I was even telling you, I was like, man, like... I hope I got this right. Like, there's there's some moments even I'm not completely sure about. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, was, it really did a great job. It was impressive. I like every minute. I thought I had it entirely figured out. Like, I know the whole picture here. They threw another twist at me, and I was like, I mean, there's still every some things time, we don't yeah. even we can't even explain yet. Which hopefully we figure out in the future in season three and, and but beyond. Just yeah. think, this is just season two. It's crazy. And one thing I was bringing up to you as well is like, man, like I was looking at the reviews, uh, you know, if you guys watch it, I don't know the service that you all watch it on, but I watch it on the Amazon Prime HBO uh, streaming service and um, you can see where the reviews are. And like the first season had like multiple thousands of reviews, like 4.5 star rated. The second season only had like 570 something reviews and it was like four stars. So my thinking is that people just couldn't follow it along. There's not, it was not a poorly written yeah. show or it's not a bad show at all. Like, if you had getting it bad ratings, it was probably because you were confused. Like, yeah, that's really confused. what it was, man, because it is a yeah. phenomenally written show so far. And again, to your point, only on season two. Only on season two. And the acting here, I mean, Anthony Hopkins, of course, he's always. Love him. Like, he's on his own level. But then even the acting from. Uh, Rodrigo Th- Santo. Yeah, Rodrigo Hector. Santo. Yeah. I was going to say Thandie Newton. She plays Maeve Malay. Yeah. She's really good. Um, I even like, uh, by the way, the guy that plays Bernard, I didn't know this, so I watched the trailer for the new Batman film. Yeah. He's going to play Gordon. So I'm really? interested in that. That's awesome. That's going to be cool. He's really good. Honestly, yeah. they all really play their role really well. It's so far, you know, it was funny. Not that we were talking down about Westworld, but we just didn't have that same level of excitement as we have maybe for like Harry Potter coming up. So when we started yeah. this arc, we're kind of like, well, we don't really know what to expect. And then it just blew our minds, man. It blew so our minds. <laughs> yeah. Put, right? Yeah. And it, it's cool because it's like, you know, I think that's why people recommend stuff like this to us because how you were saying the reviews, right? I think a lot of people when they're watching it on their own, like it is a lot to kind of take in and break down. Like even, I mean, you know, Game of Thrones is on its own level, but even to the point of intellectuality, it has really more intellectuality than Game of Thrones. More than most shows I've ever watched, honestly. Yeah. Just you have, like to, to the point that you were mentioning earlier to me before we started today, 
even said like you can't just jump in like halfway through the season and think you're gonna follow what's going on. There's yeah. no way. Like for myself, like when we do this on a, on a weekly basis and have been since we started this podcast, I, I I've gotten into the habit of watching the full season first mm-hmm. just to watch it and understand it, then going back through and taking the notes that we take. And even so, like I said, it did that for for this uh, season too as well. And even doing that, there's still there's like one or two questions I still don't have answered. Maybe it's something that we will get figured out in the future. And but usually like. I'm very confident about you know my abilities yeah. to, to really break this down, and I still think we did a good job of it. But there's there's stuff that's unanswered and stuff that came out of nowhere that we're just like, what the heck? Oh yeah, and <laughs> the way it pieces together too, because for instance, I keep bringing up Game of Thrones because that was like a big arc we did, right? But like season eight, like where they just left questions unanswered. This really doesn't leave. Like I'm assuming we're gonna figure out things in the future. But for what it was trying to answer this season, yeah, really answered everything it was trying to do. Exactly. So I mean, we just got to hope that they keep along strong yeah. with it there. And uh, also, guys, you, I always and kind of doing the same sort of deal with you. If you get, are only following along on the podcast through audio, you don't see our video. Uh, we got the cowboy hats on. We got some new uh, pieces to our centerpiece today. Uh, some more characters, uh, Funko Pops of Westworld. We've got the Man in Black. We've had Dolores since the beginning. We have Maeve, and we also have Bernard there at the end as well. So, good stuff. We've got our hats on. Uh, should we tip them off? And, yeah, man. And let's uh, tip them off. But uh, one thing I was going to say real quick. That's why I think a lot of people, you know, we've been getting a lot of attraction for this first start on Westworld. Um, and people, you know, you saw the reviews online for the show. I think a lot of people just really didn't know what it was. So that's why I think part of it kept getting recommended to us was so I guess people can understand it more clear. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just cool to us that you guys, you know, you're trying something new and kind of jumping out of your shell. And, uh, you know, the numbers were great um, for this new episode we just released. Uh, top 200 again on the United States that's right. podcast. Yeah. So that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, we, we, we haven't talked about numbers in a little bit. That was usually one of our staples. Yeah, you're usually yeah, exactly. the numbers guy. I, I know, man. but uh, it was huge. You know, being in the top 200 for a series that is, for the most part, I would say unknown. I know this was kind of meant to hold HBO over until um, House of Dragon. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, between you know season seven and season eight of Game yeah. of Thrones. It kind of like was that little buffer in between, mm-hmm. and that was like the next thing going. So. Uh, for a uh, widely unknown show, it's been great so far, and I think that this will become a flagship uh, yeah. show for HBO because, man, I, I just don't see unless you just don't have the mental capacity for it. I don't see how you can watch it's it and so not good. get sucked into it. Yeah, it, it's a typical Abrams man, <laughs> like throwing you through loops. But um, also, too, you know, we're on, uh, actually a cool announcement. We're going to be on Amazon Music soon, yeah. so that's pretty cool. Um, our little theme song y'all like to hear in the beginning that we got reviews about, you'll be able to snap that, Snapchat that to your friends or on Instagram or whatever. So, um, and you know, we see all y'all's messages and followers on the Facebook page. So that means a lot to us, but yeah, we're going to go ahead and dive right into it. Uh, let's go ahead and get a mouse in the chat. Let's do it, brother. Cheers. Top the hats Cheers, off, man. man. There yeah. we go. Good start. Right, let's guys. get it started. <laughs> Get it started in here. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, guys. We'll take that here. Gonna put this, don't mind the hair. Gonna put on my ball cap because uh, getting out of control with my I told the you. locks. <laughs> hey, it's better than me, man. I always look like the lead singer of Miss Murder. 
<laughs> AFI. Uh, AFI. Every that's time. in this murder is the song. Good stuff. But yeah, bro. So let's kind of get in here. So like we said, today what we're really going to cover with you guys is uh, season two of Westworld episodes one, two, three, and four. Uh, next week we'll pick up with episodes five, six, and seven and close out uh, season two with uh, eight, nine, and ten after that. So what I have right now for season two, episode one. We open with Dolores and Arnold, right? And this is kind of something that you and I had a conversation about too, is going even back to season one, when you would see Bernard and Dolores together. Was it always Bernard and Dolores, or was it sometimes Arnold and Dolores? Because it's very, you know, at that point in time, you don't know who's who, because he's an exact replica of Arnold, right? So, but this opening, it's very clear that it's Dolores and Arnold. And uh, basically he tells, you know, sorry, Dolores, I was lost in thought. Um, which was interesting because this kind of comes like a full circle moment later on. Right. Later <laughs> so on. It's super, super kind of cool already, yeah. like right off the bat. Like the first quote that's mentioned is is something that gets into it. There. And this is cool that you were saying how you watch the whole show through because you go watch this episode again and you already have a different perspective mm-hmm. when you're watching this conversation. You're like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Which y'all will find out sooner. 100%. Um, it's, it's funny though because when you bring that point up I don't want to give anything away but I really do think that it is as advertised as this thing here because remember what she was trying to do is she was trying to get as close to mm-hmm. as possible right? right I know we're kind of speaking in code here because I just I don't want any spoilers yet but <laughs> so I, <laughs> the irony the code right <laughs> yeah you know and it's kind of cool too because even with some more quotes into this conversation that Arnold and Dolores are having together you know they they kind of talk about what's real, right? Like you know, you know, in Dolores asks Arnold, "Well, what is real?" And he replies, "That which is irreplaceable," which is a big quote again that comes up later on, big foreshadow moment right. over and over again. These are it's kind of like a uh, uh, we kind of get into uh, we're accustomed to this of having these quotes come up later on, but yeah. Uh, so next thing I got here. And this is this this is honestly probably one of the biggest foreshadows of this whole season because Arnold basically tells her like you know sometimes you frighten me Dolores and yeah. know, she goes well why are you frightened of little old me and he goes well I'm not frightened of you now but I'm frightened of what you might become what path you might take uh, which is kind of funny because we see what path that is yeah uh, it's a it's a straight up fucking war path <laughs> that's that's what it is i was telling josh this earlier and not to keep going back on these game of thrones comparisons but in this season her and daenerys have some similarities very similar yeah. qualities for what their goals are and how they want to achieve them i've always said that would be Wow, could you imagine if those two teamed up? <laughs> yeah, that'd be a be a rough place to live, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be hundred percent. Um, yeah, so you know, Bernard wakes in that like dream that he was telling Dolores, uh, Dolores, and waves like start rising up on the sand. And this exact scene is is super important because once you realize what's going on. And how it ties in further, like this is, uh, you'll see this exact scene again. The waves ri- rising up right. with his glasses hitting his collar of his shirt, like so. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, you know that, that there was this like woman that comes up. She has like the big old rifle, assault rifle. Tells him, you know, basically almost shoots him. But you know, Stubbs intervenes. And why is this a big moment? 
well, we haven't heard from Stubbs since he got attacked by the Ghost right. Nation. Like, he was, remember he was taken by, like, the savages of Ghost Nation? And we've got no idea what happened to him. All of a sudden, he's there. He's just on our screen like nothing ever happened. And we'll, you know, we obviously see what happens later on in the, in the series. But if you're just watching it through for the first time, you're like, where the heck did this guy come from? <laughs> like, so, uh, that was pretty cool, man. Um, he, he even tells him, uh, stuff is like, Delos Brass is going to want to talk to you. Talking to Bernard. Yeah. And it... Uh, were they like executing like hosts yeah, at this point? That's they what they were doing, right? Ex- that's exactly what they were doing. And it kind of jumps right into it where you were, you had this feeling of, oh, what the hell is about to happen at the end of season one? And you're kind of jumping right into that moment, like right after the party yeah. that Ford had. And the crazy part is, too, I mean, obviously we get introduced to like this big head honcho guy, Carl Strand. He's the head of operations for Delos. Um, but this is actually a really cool part. Like, this is one of those small things that we talk about where if you're not paying attention, you will miss. Uh, Rebus, remember that host, that Rebus host that has like the funny, like weird chin strap mustache that goes up here, but nothing down in the chin, just like above the mustache, yeah, like, the, the muffin yeah, chops and the weird. mustache. Uh, he, you know, he was like a bad guy, but this is what he says. He says, "Shoot a woman over my dead body." So basically, he was trying to defend the women, and like that's not in his character. Because remember, he's a bad guy. Right. But like, That's true. it's crazy because this small moment here, you realize, you know, there's a bunch of other stuff that happened leading up to this. Because obviously, with him being, you know, quote unquote, a savior or a hero or a good guy, that's not who Rebus is. Rebus is like a piece of shit, like bad bandit, like, you know. So I think if you didn't pay attention to that, that's a small piece that you could have missed. And it's important because it gets brought up later on and how he gets to that part, even right. though he ends up getting killed. And like you were saying, there's dead hosts everywhere. They're just executing them everywhere. left and right. Everywhere. Yeah. Hey, by the way, real quick, we did confirm that little scene <laughs> that we were talking oh, about. Oh, yes. Oh, I, I, guys, I do owe Chase an apology here. Just so you know, our... I'm not a freak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I... Um, and the last episode that we Take did... Take off for, our masks. That's an awesome <laughs> song, by the way. Yes, to that point, to Chase's point, I do owe him an apology. Back in season one, uh, there is a scene that like, I guess I just missed or glossed over, didn't pay much attention to. Uh, and Chase mentioned, you know, hey, like, you know, that there. I don't remember the, the text name, but he was the one that had the necrophilia fetish. And... Uh, you know, he was he did take Hector into that room and he did strip down, pour like lube on his hands and start, you know, touching himself. And I didn't see it at first and Chase saw that I was like, I don't know, man, I don't know if you see what I'm seeing, but we went back, checked the tapes, and uh, he was hundred percent right. That actually happened. Uh just yeah. so you guys know, I'm not a necrophilia perv. <laughs> so just throwing it out there. Yeah, no, so no big ups to that. No, you're right. I did I did I did uh, call that wrong. I just didn't see it. Uh but showed me he threw the red challenge flag. We we pulled up the film and we saw it, and uh, it was there, man. So, yeah, that that actually happened. So, <laughs> which is kind of weird though, because like there is a part you know later on in this season that's kind of interesting, like that too. Yeah, like in the, I was even wondering yeah. about that today if you even saw it, because I wasn't even going to mention that. <laughs> you later. didn't want to go through this again. <laughs> like I was like sitting here thinking today, I was like. Some of these scenes I might not even bring up because I don't want anyone in the audience thinking I have some <laughs> weird 
host yeah. fetish or something going on. Right. But yeah, so just wanted to throw that out there so you know. I promise. Hundred percent was like... accurate. We checked the tapes. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, man. You know, back to like where like you know Carl wants info from Bernard, and there's like dead hosts everywhere. We do learn that the systems have been down for two weeks. Right. So there's been a two week period between what happened with Ford when he got shot in the back of the head by Dolores and where we're at now mm-hmm. for season two. Right. So two week period there. Um, it's funny because Mr. Costa, he's like kind of Carl Strand's personal tech. I don't know. But he starts removing the scalp from one of the ghost nations and they yeah. see the maze. So like none of the humans know what this maze is yet. Like that was gibberish to them. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Unless you were one of the people, you know, obviously the man in black would the know man what the man black, would yeah. know what it is. All the hosts know what it is because you know that's the right. center of the maze is you know them finding their consciousness. Right. Right. So, thought that was an important part, and then we kind of really learn what the hosts are made of a little bit because Coaster removes what I call the little brain. Yeah. Right. Like it's basically like a first person GoPro is what I would say. Like it's like yeah. a. It, it really uh, shows like video footage of their experiences throughout the park. Yeah. So it's like almost like in a almost like a chlorine, you know, in a swimming had pool. the fluid and stuff. Yeah, it cortical gross, fluid, right? Yeah. So it was very similar. If you guys ever, you know, had like one of those old school above ground pools, and you have one of them like chlorine tablets inside the casing. That's what it looked like. And yeah. It's just floating around there. It was like smaller version of that. Um, almost like know, a light bulb container. Yeah, kind Like of. they took out. Yeah, for sure. I called it the core. I guess this is a core, man. Yeah, it's a good know. good name for it, right? <laughs> but then we get to see what was on that footage for that member of Ghost Nation. This is when we Dolores is turning into that bad bitch. Yeah, <laughs> and it's crazy too because this again, we see this moment happen later on in this mm-hmm. season, uh, like like I would say live, right? Because you know we see it like in its own timeline is probably a better way to put yeah. it. But yeah, the video footage shows Dolores killing that member of Ghost Nation. And her quote to him is, I told you, friend, not all of us deserve to make it to the valley beyond. So, yeah. And then she executes him. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I, I did write this comes up later in season two. So, well, you know, just to keep that there. I'm getting better at my notes now because they're like the exact same as you. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I'm getting man. efficient over here. Good Efficiency. Stuff. Gotta love it, man. Um, next thing I have here is Bernardi starting to have flashbacks to Ford's party. Mm-hmm. And he's hiding in a barn with Charlotte Hale. So this is kind of after like all the hosts just start fucking up the humans. Yeah, right? This is back right. two weeks ago. This is the timeline two weeks ago to when this happened. Dolores shot Ford and all everything went to shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. for lack of better words. Um, yeah. So he's like, they're like hiding in this barn together. Could you imagine if you were in that moment? Imagine you're one of these rich dudes or rich people that get invited to this party and then all of a sudden everyone's getting shot up. You'd be freaking out. You'd be losing your mind. You'd be like... I think it was one guy that even said, like, I'm going to sue the shit out of you. <laughs> oh, in a little bit. Yeah, when yeah. To the, yeah, yeah, yeah. When we get there, you're right. There is a person that does does threaten, like, a lawsuit. Because, like, think about it, though. Like, you're rich, you have all this money, and you've you've spent it there. You don't want any sort of problems or anything. Like, we, we know how those, you know, we, we make fun of them, but the Karens of the world can be. <laughs> yeah, know? the so, Karens of the world. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's we're, we're at this part where all these... We, we call them guests, but for people who maybe are following along, guests are what are we call the actual humans. So, you know, as, as a guest, you're seeing all these people getting shot, and you know 
from Westworld, if you're like an investor or you're a regular park attendant, hosts aren't able to kill humans. Right. That's part of their code is that you can't kill them. And now all of a sudden yeah. they're getting killed. So you I mean, can most imagine people, like the mental switch there, right? Exactly. And that's what I was going to say. I mean, as far as a guest, just like, you know, just like Disney says, like, be our guest, be our guest. Yeah. But like these ho or guests, see, I'm almost confusing them now after <laughs> watching season two. The guests, when they come in, most of them aren't like the man in black. Most of them are just seeing this as like a theme park. Right. So imagine that. Like you're going in to have fun. And you'd be thinking it was like a terrorist attack or some shit going on. Pretty much, dude. Exactly. And this is the next part I have, too, because this kind of helps prove my point about Rebus earlier. We've got Rebus who has a guest in his place. If you guys remember from the end of season one, they had Rebus there with a glass on his head, and, like, Teddy was shooting the glass off Rebus' head and, like, giving the gun to the, the... uh, the guest or the human girl trying to get her to do the same thing. Well, now Rebus has turned the tables and he has like a human woman there and uh, balancing the glass on her head and he ends up killing her. And this is, you know, the problem here is like he's still his bad self here. So we still have a ways to go between what's happened here and to where he got killed by strands people right. trying to be like the quote unquote good host. But big moment there. Yeah. Uh, we uh, then you know what Hale asks you know where's the nearest access point and Bernard tells Hale the two miles northeast, right? Mm-hmm. So what's what I find kind of cool about this is that yes Bernard's worked there for a bunch of years he's a host himself so he's got like a really good uh, kind of intimate knowledge of the park, but to kind of know exactly where the access points are in the middle of like a freaking uh, genocide, right? <laughs> like, yeah, it's just kind of yeah. cool that he's got that presence in mind because he never. He, he almost seems like the kind of guy that would crack under pressure. He always seems, like, nervous. Like, he's never sure yeah. of himself. You know what I mean? So I just thought it was kind of cool. Which is... That's why I'm really excited. Ironically, we were making this joke earlier. Everything's coming out in 2021. <laughs> yeah, the Batman comes out summer of 2021 with Bernard as Gordon. And that's why I'm really interested to see him. Because yeah. he seems to... The actor alone plays these intellectual roles, like, down to a T. Yeah, he does a really good job. Um, you know, then we, we have the, the guests who decide that they are going to escape and they end up like killing the stable boy. Like just yeah. like really strangely, like messed up. just like slaughtered him. Like, because I guess they, maybe it was a him or me situation in their head where all you, all they see, you know, if you're, if you're looking at it from the, the humans or the guest perspective, you're just seeing a bunch of hosts killing other humans. So maybe it's like, Hey, I'm going to kill you before you get the opportunity to kill me. Yeah. Even though Bernard's like, he's harmless. Tries to tell him he's harmless, but. I don't give a fuck. And you really see how it affects Bernard because Bernard, um, I don't have the quote or anything, but from what I remember, he was like basically like freaked out this whole thing was happening. Yeah. And I do have a quote from Charlotte because it shows, as we'll see this season, Ford really cares about these hosts like they're his children. Like he sees them mm-hmm. as almost like people. It shows like what these other members are thinking because Charlotte says, you want to be a hero, but don't sacrifice yourself for the merchandise. Like, to these these hosts, which it starts getting really... Good point, yeah. I want to say it's very emotionally almost tough here because you start questioning what's real and what's not. So um, imagine, like, how brutal these board members are. Because think of it, too. This is an environment where they're working every single day, and they keep like they don't get emotionally attached like they see them as dollars Mm -hmm. like these are dollar bills and like that proves the point when she's saying to bernard 
you know, this is my point being with this here, coming back full circle to this, is they differentiate so differently from the guy that's in charge of them. Yeah. So their perspectives are so off two boards. That's why you even had a, a difference with Teresa and Ford. Like, this is why they've never been on the same page. Exactly. They, you're, to sum it up, what you just said perfectly is that the board and the executives see these hosts as dollars, where Ford kind of sees them as a creation of his own, and he cares about them genuinely. Right. So, it's interesting. And Arnold even has that kind of, like, care for them. You know how, mm-hmm. you know, remember, he was, you know, we'll find out later on, him and Dolores, like, taking <laughs> yeah. her everywhere like a dog. Right. <laughs> like, you know, like, hey, let me introduce the word, world. <laughs> Crazy. But, yeah. yeah, man. So, another thing I noticed here, and we were meant to notice this. This isn't anything surprising, but cortical fluid is linking for Bernard's ear. Yeah, we did and see that. Yeah, yeah, you saw that kind of coming mm-hmm. down. And then uh, I, I do have where it said, you know, because when i watch stuff we talk about it, i watch it with subtitles mm-hmm. on so like the, the uh the kind of piano music you hear at a baseball game yeah. it's called the entertainer yeah. the entertainer was playing on the piano while dolores and teddy hunt down guests and, and we actually just use this for our promo i will say i don't know if you saw it or not uh but it was the quote you mentioned i think it was our last episode or the one before where it says uh the piano just because you don't like the music the piano doesn't hurt the player yeah yeah, yeah like yeah. i love that the piano doesn't kill the player because it doesn't like the music yeah that's yeah. it yeah 100 yep. percent. that's awesome and you know now dolores is kind of almost being like an uh arrogant condescending bitch here because like obviously she's got the right to they've been like messing with her their her entire life she's like been killed over and over and over again reset memories wiped so she even gets this guest down and she asks him have you ever questioned the nature of your reality you know, and we find out, you know, she asks the questions, trying to figure out what the cornerstone is for humans, and then really comes to the, the realization that survival is the cornerstone for humans. Here's a question here. Is, and this isn't worth a great debate card because it's not that broad of a question. It's just more of a debatable question that's really quick. Do you think the old Dolores is gone because she's Wyatt now? No. Is this full she's Wyatt? Not, she's not Wyatt either. That's what I'm going to bring up here. Gotcha. Actually, uh, that, that, I'm glad that you, you pulled that up and you actually said it because I have it. I just wrote that down right gotcha. here. Okay. She has parts of her that are Dolores and parts of her that are Wyatt. So she's not gotcha. fully gone either way, but she's neither of those people right now. Because what did she say? She, you know, she's like the the sweet rancher in me, like wants to see the beauty of you and like you know the possibilities and the good. But Wyatt sees you know the disarray, the darkness. Then she's like, you know, I, she, she basically says, I'm no longer either of those people. I am myself. So she's not what she's not Wyatt, and she's not Dolores because she's not who anyone programmed her to be. She's finally, completely herself. Right. She's her own person. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, now we find the man in black, William, he's still alive, and he looks almost excited about this shit. Isn't that kind of fucking weird? <laughs> yeah, it was like, like... he pu- grabs dead bodies, pulls them off him, stands up, and is fucking smiling, weirdo. Like when Logan told William a long time ago, yeah, all right! Yeah. Yeah, the gloves are off now, let's do this Dude, thing! he looks excited as fuck, like, and so... You know, he has a shootout. You know, he he goes over to his horse, and Eddie is like, he's like, we're about to have some fun. <laughs> like, what do you mean have some fun? You, you like, <laughs> you get hit with the wrong bullet, you're fucking dead for real, man. You know, so uh, but he has like a shootout with a couple of those hosts, and he ends up getting the better of them. Yeah, uh, that was pretty cool. But, Dude, he kicks. 
He gets yeah. his ass kicked. I would this say. season, yeah. This season, but he's but he, still a badass. He's still a badass. He's still like kicks the moment some like ass. General Craddock over yeah, in Las Vegas. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, that was pretty badass. cool. That's fucking awesome. Um, yeah, dude. They, I, I, what I wrote down here is, you know, the man black takes a swig of both. You got something good? I was Put just gonna there. say this is when it was with the lawyer because that guy mm-hmm. came out and he said, "Jesus, yes. Bill, yes. where the where the fuck is QA?" By the time my lawyers and that's when like he gets shot and dies. Gets shot. Yep, exactly. And that's when he has. That's when the uh, man in black has a shootout with those. Yeah, cells. that's good right. point. Yep, good call on that one. Um, yeah, man. I you know I have like the man black after that he gets into that little like bar he takes a swig of bourbon and starts patching his self up and he opens up like this little crate finds a new black hat and like yeah. smiles he's just a fucking crazy psycho man he loves this shit like he Insane. loves it when the stakes are real yeah he was always complaining in season one about the stakes here aren't real <laughs> like, yeah. shit like that man like i don't know but uh, now we get to lee your boy lee sizemore and this is a full circle moment it is because this is like <laughs> Lee is being hunted by his own creation. That yeah. little bad guy he made to eat, like you know, the cannibalism, and like he even brings up that word and says moist, like like. He Lee was like, say to. it again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He um, goes up to him and he they about to get fucked up by his own creation that was in the lab, and then Maeve saves him. Maeve saves the day. Which I got a question here. Which this is gonna get into a little bit later. We'll start to see this a little bit. Um, Maybe a little bit today. Next week we will definitely, but really towards the end. So, uh, before I drop my notes on the ground, <laughs> do you think Lee and Maeve, like, I guess they kind of almost become friends, but he almost sees her as like a sister or something. Like, it, yeah. he gets emotionally he, attached to her. He gets emotionally attached at some point. But it takes so long to get there because the point we were talking about earlier, not to you know spoil anything yet, but through this whole entire thing, he just is thinking like, dude, no, it's it's programming, programming, programming. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, it takes him a while to get there. <laughs> yeah. You know, like like to mentally understand, like, you know, just understand that hey, this is no longer what we created it to be. Yeah. Right. So there is some. I don't believe it's anything romantic. But yes, like someone caring for for some like a great friend, like a best friend type deal, like yeah. a Harry and Hermione type deal. There you go. You know, something That's like that. That's perfect. I love that because it's not William wanting to take Dolores out in his luggage. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, there you go. That's awesome. <laughs> Which he Logan there kind of did in a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> kind of did. Once, yeah. That's true. Good call. Get in a car. <laughs> yeah. I'll uh, take it away. Yeah, man. So the next thing here, like Lee. Uh, you know, Maeve's trying to figure out what to do with them, and Lee offers to take her to the current map because Maeve is trying to find where her daughter is. Yeah, which is interesting because back in season one, it's almost like she figured it didn't matter anymore. Remember when Felix gave her the like the coordinates, and she's like, "Ah, it doesn't matter anymore." Like it was just like something that they gave me. But like now, mm-hmm. she's on this whole like full blown dire mission of finding her daughter. Like the the switch is flipped. Like her whole intent and sole purpose of a being is to find and and protect her daughter. Yeah, I mean it. it... Which that's uh, full circle later. Um, <laughs> but I will say you remember back in season one uh, when we talked about this last week when she's sitting on the train or wherever to leave mm-hmm. the world, right? That's what I'm talking about, yeah. Like you really like Maeve realizes what matters most in this world. And think about it. She just gave up everything to go back. Like She could have been the first one to get out. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I'll dude. let you take it away there. But one thing I did like that she said when she arrives here, that's kind of like, it's not really that important, but it's kind of like sly, yeah, like very it. interesting. She gets there and she says, it's like inmates are running the asylum. Yeah. And it's just badass. <laughs> yeah, because think about that. That's like, so the hosts are really like running it, but they're the crazy ones, yep. right? That's just wild. Inmates running the asylum. Fucking awesome. And I actually have a quote from Maeve next here, too, that I wrote down because it kind of shows you her entire drive right now and what it is. Mm -hmm. And she tells, because, like, Lise tries to give her directions to find, you know, the map. And Maeve says, fuck your directions. You're going to take me to my daughter. (laughs) So, good stuff. And, uh, yeah, you know, these guests, they remember, like, they, we go back to kind of where the guests and uh, Charlotte and Bernard are are running away from that area and trying to find that access point. Mm-hmm. That's and right. And they find that, like, big vehicle. They see people, like, kind of, like, parched up and stand there, and the guests think that they're safe. Like, oh, sweet. Like, yeah, that's QA. That's like, right. we're good to go. And, like, Bernard realizes there's something wrong. And so as everyone runs down to, like, yeah. get, quote-unquote, saved, Bernard grabs Charlotte Hale back and is like, no, like, something's not right. And, like fucking host ambush the fuck out of them yeah like angela that's what i was gonna say angela man shows on horseback (laughs) and she had like wyatt's men with the horns and they're just i hate to say this word but they're just fucking up all these guests like it's a massacre it's it's messed up (laughs) yeah and then that kind of takes us back to with lee and mave and there's a certain quote here that I think is super important for anybody. This is one of those small details you could miss mm-hmm. if you don't pay attention. Lee tells Maeve, your minds are worth billions in IP. Mm-hmm. So, like, we start, you don't, we don't know what the whole drive is behind Carl Strand and the Dallas company and what they're there for. Like, are they there just to protect their investment because if they're sold to, like, the highest bidder, you know, they're worth billions in, in revenue? Or what's the real thing here? You're starting to start to see the second, like, act at play. Like, not just Ford's game. We're starting to see there's something else at play here, too. Yeah. Did you read my mind a minute ago? No. <laughs> sold to the highest bidder. Yeah. Right. <laughs> sold to cast this man of clouds like the beggar queen you are. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's like Malice in the Chalice, Cheers, baby. Oh, this is, oh, I'm so happy because like I didn't expect this to be so great. Yeah, like this was a such great a good show. show. Yeah, hundred percent. And then I have you know security ambushing Lee and Maeve, uh, and Lee like tries to give her up. Like it's like could some of them be dressed as human and like kind of like looks to her like with big you eyes. Your like, mess. <laughs> yeah. And so like you know Maeve. They they basically she kills the entire like I call them the SWAT team they're not really the SWAT team but the security like after like because he tries to give her up like he literally oh like, he yeah. screws yeah, her he, over he looks, man. he's like may some of them be dressed in human form <laughs> it was so <laughs> awkward it was like it was like one of those old anime cartoons where like like yeah right exactly <laughs> have, like the lines going <laughs> off. Like, so screwed up, man. Never rob a bank with this guy, because he will sell your ass out. It's funny, because, like, more hosts intervene. Like, the like, like the sheriff-looking ones that came in, they start shooting down. Yeah. And, like, you know, so they, they kill the entire security team there. And, you know, what's pretty cool is we still realize that Maeve, at this time, still has control of other hosts' behaviors. Mm-hmm. You know, so she's still in control and able to tell them what to do and command them. And ironically, what I was going to say, there's one line that shows she's really not in control. What line is that? She, so, you know, Lee uh, pulls his sly shit and mm-hmm. then 
she kills i call them the rogue agents i guess <laughs> the rogue qa that comes in to fuck everything up well she looks at lee and says try something like that again i will relieve you of your most i will relieve you of your most precious organ and feed it to you though it won't make much of a meal and lee said i wrote that line for you so it goes to show no matter how much she thinks she's out of this deal she's really still right here yeah, I, I would say it's a mix at this point because they are able to impro- like like improvise to a level, but there are still like programmed speeches and uh, mm-hmm. dialect and dialogue that they will rely on. And because this comes up time and time again, Lee constantly tells them throughout season two, like when they get to the group of where they all kind of branch off into, you know, he predicts what Hector is going to say at one point. Yeah. He tells them all, like all these things. Like So it's like a mixture of like, yeah, they're still under program code, but they are at least making the choices and improvising in the way that they want to at the time. So it's like a it's mm-hmm. like a combination. It's very interesting. I remember this place is messed up. Like Oh yeah, the mace is fucked. It's like, fucked. <laughs> like it's fucked. There's bodies everywhere. They go out to the pool for like a minute. And then remember that's where Lee was like drinking himself to death back in yeah, season like, one. The, the rooftop bar, like, yeah, there, there, yeah, yeah, the pool rooftop bar. Oh yeah, she finds. We about to see who she runs into. Yeah, there. runs into. <laughs> and I'll like you take take it away on that. But I was like just gonna say, just as she's getting there, like there's, it looks like fucking King's Landing with the blood like yeah. splattered Bodies everywhere, just littered on the ground. Like you know, yeah. you see like the technology is like cracked and broken. Like they like the places where you touch like your finger to are all smashed oh, yeah. in. Like I was thinking of that one song, "Let the bodies hit the floor." Yeah, <laughs> the seriously. bodies, it was messed yeah, up, man. Like, all the bodies were littered on the floor. 100%. Oh yeah, you littered. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Now, I'll let you take it away for who uh, we see a very important. We bring person. back one of both your and I's favorite. Hopefully, at some point, we can get a Funko Pop of Hector. But oh yeah, yeah May yeah, May, yeah. Uh, May yeah. finds Hector at the bar, which is crazy because like, remember when we last left Hector? He fought off like, an entire host of QA security agents by himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we all expected him to just be dead because like you know he was like basically the protector allowing May to escape. He held him off, but like. He's got bullet holes everywhere in him, and he's just <laughs> drinking on the damn thing, like just chilling. Dude, Hector there. doesn't give a fuck. Here's the oh. point, though. This it really is that like Bonnie and Clyde relationship yeah. we're getting going, which is funny because like he was programmed to be a Bonnie and Clyde relationship with yeah, Armistice, Armistice. <laughs> and he was like, "Fuck you, Armistice." <laughs> Even worse, that's like that's like leaving your girlfriend or whoever you're with, your wife, and you go get this other girl, and then you tell the ex. You're like, but you're still gonna help me out along the way. Yeah. In fact, you can you can uh, be the third wheel on this family vacation. That's exactly what, <laughs> That's what you can do. do. That's so funny. That's so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she finds when they do their fun embrace, all that good stuff. And Hector asks, you know, talking about Lee, like, what about him? And Man's like, ah, we'll keep him for now. <laughs> but uh, and then Hector, this is a part where I don't like it. We start like, you know, I love Hector and his like personality, but I don't like it when it comes to Maeve. It's because. He's basically her ser- like her servant, really. Yeah, I was thinking because of that too. He he just says this exact line and he says it in such a bland voice. He goes, "Where you go, I'll follow." Like that's <laughs> yeah. literally how he says it, right? Like which goes to this point. Think of it how you were saying like, you know, his bravery. Bravery. He's probably like one of the bravest hosts out there like multiple times yeah. like makes a stand. But if Maeve wasn't there, would he have done that? 
No, because I don't think he wouldn't have understood it. He wouldn't have the intellectual capacity to understand what was going on. Right. May have kind of like opened his eyes or so to say, pulled the veil off. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Exactly. Otherwise, so. he'd still be robbing empty safes. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly what he'd be doing. Um, yeah, no. And now we, we go back to, you know, Charlotte and Bernard, and uh, they find that manual override, which is kind of cool because Charlotte, she doesn't seem like a hands on type boss. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when we're watching season one through, she just seems like. Someone who comes in to start problems or like when like the the head honchos want to implement something new, she comes in and says, Hey, this is what we're basically like laser dick on the table. Like that's like, <laughs> yeah. this is this is what we're doing, you know, and that's it, right? But you know, she actually has some sort of knowledge of the park. She finds a manual override area, pulls it, and then like we see what's called the drone host for the first time. Yeah. That, like weird almost like if you look like a a uh, human without skin, but it's all white. Like, like, like you know, like what they call that? I called it an unfinished host. Like it looked well, like they just like. It's actually called a drone host. That's the yeah. name of it. It's a drone host, but it really, it looked like a the. I'm it looked like a mannequin it. thing. It's like there's there's types of systems. There's like the respiratory system, the skeletal system, and then like this like with the whole thing on top of it i don't i can't think yeah. of the name on top of my head i know about you know i know exactly what science you're talking class, about but basically, an exoskeleton kind of it basically looks like a human without the skin like if you were just to peel all my skin off yeah that's what i would look like if you spray painted me matt white yeah it didn't <laughs> like, even have eyes or anything yeah no yeah. Like weird mask over it it, it looks like something you would see in guillermo del toro's pants labyrinth <laughs> like that's exactly what it yeah. looked like kind yeah. Of. yeah so we see this thing for the first time, and like, it's like re- they read DNA. So mm-hmm. like, like you know, when Bernard was kind of nervous, she's like, "Don't worry, Bernard. It's already read your DNA, mm-hmm. right?" So they're trying to get es- like uh, like an escape. They want Dallas to come in and bring them out, and Charlotte's kind of like ha- like pulls up that like communicator and starts typing right. to them, like bring yeah, us out true. and. Mm-hmm. We find out that Dallas ain't doing shit until they get something. Yeah. But at this point in time, when you're watching it, you don't know what that something is. But you know they they want the package, right? It's like no, like no, the, the exact words were no extraction until package is delivered, right? Mm-hmm. So, as she's kind of communicating with like the head of Delos or whatever, whoever that like anonymous guy behind the scenes is writing back to her, yeah. Bernard starts to make a realization, and his quote is, and he asks Charlotte, "Are we logging records of guests' experiences and their DNA?" And Charlotte says, "We're not having that conversation, Bernard." So <laughs> some fishy shit. That's some is real going fishy on. shit. Yeah, real fishy shit. So Delos wants a specific host as an insurance policy. This is what we learn between the interaction between Charlotte and the unknown person writing back to Charlotte from Delos, mm-hmm. and also between Bernard. There, we realize that they want a specific host. It's an insurance policy. They need to get it to Dallas before any sort of extraction helps or they bring in any sort of what we call like the big guns to save anybody. Which is really screwed up. Like it's, no, it's like really fucked up. Yeah, there that would be like saying you work at a bank, right? And your bank is getting bank robbed. Well, they're like, you need to put yourself in front of the bullet to save the money, or we're not coming in to take these people out. Like we're just gonna let you all die. Not even so much as that. What I would say it's more similar to like if your bank was under siege, and let's say you had like, if you guys ever watched the Titanic, there's that one like blue diamond or whatever, the eye of the sea or whatever. Oh yeah, that jewel. Yeah, and it's like the necklace. What like, the like, necklace that? Yeah, but it was like that was the jewel in it, right? Yeah. So it was like the big jewel in it, and then like there, you were calling for help, and helps like, well, you've got to get this one, you know, necklace jewel to us first. 
So that way, they, this people can't take it because that's what it is. Like they're scared. Like back yeah, to Westworld, they're right. scared mm-hmm. that someone else is going to get the package first right. before getting it to Dallas, and they're going to really expose and uncover what Dallas was doing. So it's kind of like you know, as a bank teller, you'd be like, hey, you know, we need we need help. We're we're going to get killed. We were we're getting robbed at gunpoint. They're asking for this, 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 and this. And they're like, well, we'll come and help you, but you got to make sure you get this out first, or else ain't nothing <laughs> happening. Yeah, yeah. So interesting stuff. Uh, yeah, so then, you know, we get back to the man in black and uh, we get that little oh, robber shit. in boy form. Yeah. He, he approaches uh, the man in black and take it away. Yeah, and this is that, remember, that's that first generation host mm-hmm. that you saw back in season one in the house. Yep. Um, and yeah, so the boy is like walking around the man in black and he's like, are you lost? And, you know, they start to kind of go back and forth and he realizes that the boy is Ford. And he says, congratulations, William. The game is meant for you. So, yeah. and then... I actually have the full quote. If you don't mind reading that, because I just thought it was a big, a big moment here. Yeah, Because what he it. says, like the full quote that the boy in like Robert in boy form tells him is, now you're in my game. In this game, you have to make it back out. Mm-hmm. In this game, you must find the door. Congratulations, yeah, William. This game is meant for you. That's good. The I game like it, begins yeah. where you end and ends where you began. And that's the quote that's super important for what we find out at the end of season two. Yeah. I do like this one little part right after that. Because the boy says, which is Ford, everything is code here, <laughs> William. You know that more than anyone. Foreshadow. Don't worry. The game will find you. I think that's a big foreshadow moment, too, for stuff that we talked about. We yeah. won't give that up yet because that's right. really towards the end of season two. But the fact that he says, everything is code here, you know that more than anyone. Mm-hmm. A little fishy little line <laughs> yeah, there. A little, a little fishy, fishy line. That's why I wanted to say that. I was like, <laughs> yeah, you're going to find idea. out. <laughs> I had that written down, so that's funny. And then, uh, yeah, then the men in black shoots him in the face. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, just, just, uh, yeah, he's just a ruthless son of a bitch, man. <laughs> Which, like, I think this... This season is very challenging for him. Malice in the Chalice, by the way. Because this is such an intellectual show. I need to clear my mind a little bit. Um, but <laughs> this season is so challenging for him because he realizes, just like how Ford is telling him, he's not in control anymore. Like all this time when they were pushing him away from the maze because it wasn't meant for him, he was in control of his own future. Yeah. And now, which maybe he never really was, right? But... He, now. Was, he was playing Arnold's game that wasn't meant for him. Now he's in Ford's game. Now he's in Ford's game. Yeah. yeah. It's just, he's a rat in a maze. In the words awesome. of uh, Shutter Island, you're a rat in a maze. <laughs> Good awesome stuff. stuff. I never watched Shutter Island. I'm oh, you've never right. seen Shutter <laughs> like, Island, man? It's funny. I, I feel like every single time we do an episode, you bring up a movie, and I, I'm like, I've never seen that movie. <laughs> like, I just, I, I, I've never, I've never <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't watch a ton of movies growing up, but I guess that's another one that's got to be on the list, huh? See, that's where it, I don't know. Shutter Island is more of a thriller. I guess technically you can say fantasy. I mean, well, not not so much for the show. Just oh, for, the show. for my, just, yeah. just for myself, like my own might like, scare just... me to death. But yeah, that's one you should watch. It, um, ironically, though, the there's Benninghoff and Wise opted out of Star Wars. The director of that is directing the new Star Wars now. So that's it should crazy. be interesting how twisty that that sort of gets. Okay, so Shutter Island's big twisty, like psychological, it's, like f- mindfuck. It's like this, but it's every, it's like a horror. The whole idea that it takes place in this insane asylum on an island. Okay. It's called Shutter Island because they're shut off 
from everything which that's where you get that famous line from leonardo dicaprio he's like in the mirror sweating he's like pull yourself together teddy got <laughs> it. like yeah good stuff cool yeah, no, you know, next thing after, you know, Man Black just shoots the boy Robert in the face. <laughs> yeah. Like, we get to see, to your point, how it was a first-generation house right. because, like, all the metal behind Opens it and stuff. Up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's the deviant art you'll find on, like, Google. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah. Then we get back to Maeve, and, you know, she's patching up Hector. And you get mm-hmm. to see, with his shirt off, all the bullet holes and wounds he sustained <laughs> yeah. and just didn't die. Hector's a fucking badass. Yeah, <laughs> like, it was, it was, yeah. He's so cool. But uh, it's funny here because now uh, she realizes like she like Hector can't wear that like QA suit like the the white suit anymore, and so she's got to figure out what she's gonna do. And she sees Lee in like his his like black suit, and mm-hmm. she makes him strip down. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Like, cause you saw yeah. like every like what was the. I was honestly wondering, and you know, I always like the weird scenes because it kind of makes it edgy and I kind of get a kick out of it, mm-hmm. but I thought it was strange because it was, I guess it was more of a symbolism of like, was, now I, you're a host. Exactly. That's okay, exactly what it. I caught it as, is that I think it was symbolism too. Like you had us laid bare naked before you while you were poking and prodding and doing your shit. Now yeah. you're going to see how it feels. The only reason why I was like, that's still weird though, because Lee never really examined them. Like he was a writer. Yeah, but he gave them their stories without giving them any sort of choice in what they did. So yeah, it's like basically so it makes sense. like he was still in control. Almost he was more in control than anybody other than Ford, really, of what they did like in their loops. Yeah. Really he wrote their narrative. I yeah. remember because like Ford hadn't been involved in the narratives for years prior to his new one that came out. So he like, was wearing whitey tidies. Do you see that? <laughs> he has little whiteies on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did. But yeah, she made him strip all the way down. It was like Tom Cruise like, and fucking Top Gun. It was like <laughs> weird, strange. Take your was sk- it? Getting down to your skibbies. And then, <laughs> yeah. then below that, she made him take them all. <laughs> she made him take it all off, right? Yeah. And so uh, then, like at that, and it was crazy because like he could have just been in his underwear and socks and put on the clothes he ended up putting on anyways. Mm-hmm. But she made a point to make him strip all the way down, almost to like <laughs> he to, to like trim humiliate the him. Yeah, she wanted to make him feel less than human, like they made her feel. Yeah, I think no, that's definitely. what it was. it was. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it was, which is a very important part. Um, very intellectually challenging, I would say. So that's good stuff. I like it. Yeah, man. By the way, like I was saying, you know, was, he needed to do some scaping down there. <laughs> it was uh, he was. Oh, remember, looking a little out of shape. There's different cultures and stuff. So like. <laughs> You know, he was like, he's he some sort of English, right? So, like, that's, they're different. Like, I don't know, man. He's looking like Tarzan. <laughs> yeah. Leave it but, to Chase uh, to bring that up. Anyway, right? okay, yeah. Malice in the chalice on that one. <laughs> Clear your thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> now, we get back to Teddy and Dolores, right? And uh, Teddy tells Dolores, you know, we've ridden 10 miles and all we've seen is blood. Yeah, I remember Teddy's composition is a good guy. At, at his core, he's a hero. He's like the ultimate good guy who's never going to do anything bad to anyone, and he doesn't want these things to happen. He doesn't want to kill anyone. He's doing it because he's basically following the woman that he loves, and so he's trying to almost appeal to her, like better side, her yeah. rational side, telling her like, "Hey, like, listen, like, we've ridden ten miles. All we've seen so far is blood, right?" Which I hate making these comparisons because we've moved on, but this is really kind of that Jon Snow Daenerys relationship. In a way. Like, if you think about it, like, he keeps going along with her, but eventually we're going to find out what happens. And it, 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, Teddy is that good old boy. Yeah, in a way. There, there's, a, there's a stop to the comparison. I hope, like, I'll, I hope I remember this for uh, our future episodes uh, when this comes back around to that point you're yeah. talking about. But Which, uh, there's there's a know, reason why. Like, I don't like, think she's on that level yet. Well, I, actually, I was going to say, like, maybe Dolores is worse because she ended up making a decision uh, without any sort of consent and... You know, that never happened for John. Why is it so, I always <laughs> like the villains, man? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I have got no I'm like, idea. oh, Ramsey. Yeah, you were a big Ramsey. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, uh, but the thing is, like, is the, you know, Dolores at this point in time, you can almost forgive her for her actions and her thoughts and, like, her point of view because she's the only host that has, well, maybe outside of Maeve. Her and Maeve are really the only hosts that mm-hmm. have full cognition full memories of what's been done to them in the past they can see everything but remember dolores came first she was the first host ever built so she's been this like dealing with shit from the, yeah. the ground zero meaning she's seen all now now that she's free will and got full consciousness of her own self she remembers everything because remember hosts they don't have like mm-hmm. like patch memories remember lee said like they remember everything or not lee uh, felix remember they, they felix, remember yeah. everything like like basically a, a playing in front of them because it's their their technology it's not an imperfect memory it's showing exactly what happened in their minds over and over again which do you think that's why she flipped so quick because like even in daenerys's case like it's not like she just did that right away i mean we saw glimpses of it but it still took time before she was like i'm gonna burn down a fucking city like dolores this is season two and she's like i don't give a fuck about you like i'm gonna fucking kill you i mean i guess she had a little bit of mercy where she let those people stand there instead of just hanging them when she, at the beginning of this episode but in a way that's kind of more torture though because like that's yeah the point, their, their death's gonna come and they don't even know when it's gonna come so in a way that's like less mercy but but in my uh other part to that question is like because it's like Maeve. I think another reason we like her so much is she's more reasonable. Yes, like she can, and she's in a way. I think she's smarter, much smarter than Dolores because I think so too. Yeah, and, and it's like she can reason. I mean, Maeve goes through hell in this season. <laughs> like she really does, and she still is in it for justice, not revenge. But you're seeing Dolores is more about revenge right now. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. That's her key thing here. Like, uh, from all that she's been put through since that she was created by Arnold, it's all playing in her mind. And and it's like I think it's because she's taken it upon herself because no one else has the full outside of Maeve. No one else has a full consciousness that she does, and so. She's yeah. like, you know, she doesn't want anyone to be taken advantage of anymore in terms of the host. And so what she's going to do is she's going to make sure she's going to make a point to where, like, none of you are ever going to be able to do this shit again or even think about doing this shit because this is what's going to happen. Like, she's the retribution for their actions, basically. So, Got it. Makes that's what sense. I kind of... I, I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, the, another quote from Teddy here. He goes, you know, who are they? The things that walk among us. Creatures who look and talk like us but they are not like us and they controlled us all our lives. Right. And, you know, she even tells him, you know, the one thing that's constant is, is you Teddy, like you're the one constant. This story ends with us and they have their really nice embrace. Uh, Then we kind of go back to Bernard, which is Mm kind of cool here because we start to learn something about how hosts connect with each other, right? right, right. It's called like a, like a host mesh network, and it helps their narratives from 
colliding and like kind of breaking their loops. Exactly, so I thought that right. was a pretty cool. That was really good. Um, and then you kind of have, I guess, Carl Strand is with Ashley Stubbs for a minute and Bernard. And they're seeing all the bodies from Ford at the party. And then this is when they like see Ford's face and like lift it up and it has like the maggots coming out the eyes. Yeah. I had and, the, yeah. yeah. And it, I guess it wasn't really that much of an important part, but it, it showed. It was gross. It was gross. And yeah. it really kind of hits you as an audience member where you're like, wow, fuck, like Ford is really dead. Because like in, his, in your mind, like he's still like playing over and over. But that's really that moment where you're like, wow, like he's, she really fucking capped him. Like he's dead. <laughs> and another thing too, like at this point, right before we see like, like Robert with the maggots in his eyes, mm-hmm. they did have like, Bernard's in rough shape. Yeah, you know, and and he like plugs it. Like he realizes, and it says, you know, time until terminal malfunction is like point seven two hours. Mm-hmm. So like almost that was great. Me, like, you wrote that down. Yeah, point yeah. seven two hours until terminal malfunction. So mm-hmm. Bernard injects himself with something that we don't quite know yet, which we we do know because we watched, but I won't bring mm-hmm. it up right now. But anyways, we're back to like. Like you said, like the present time when they arrive at the area where, where Dolores was shot and, you know, Ford and everything went to shit. And that's where we see, you know, Ford's face being eaten by the maggots. And uh, then what do you, uh, the next big thing I've got is a Bengal tiger that's straight across the park borders. Do you have anything before that? The only thing I have before that is because they go up to the ocean. And in the ocean is where they were seeing all the hosts or bodies. We don't know. They could be hosts. They could be guests. Oh, right, on, on this radar. They're exactly, on, yeah, the, the, yeah, radar. on the radar. Yeah, it's all the hosts are clustered together. together. Yeah. yeah. And Bernard says, and this starts to make you wonder, like, what the fuck is going on? Because this closes out episode one, right? Yeah. Like, this exact quote, right? It, this exact yeah. quote, and Bernard says, I well, killed... Tell, tell, yeah. tell him what Carl says first. Uh, Carl, you right, uh, you tell him, because okay. I don't have so that So I'll, I'll, I'll say what Carl says, and you okay. do Bernard's response, and I'll close out episode one. Perfect. So Carl Strand says... Can you tell me what happened? Speaking to Bernard. Yeah. And Bernard replies, "I killed them. All of them." Yeah, and that's the end of episode one in yeah. season two. So, it, it that's just crazy. <laughs> You're <laughs> like, like, "What the fuck is going on?" Like Bernard was, wouldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We don't even know really what happened yet, and it, it, we've seen that there's something wrong with Bernard's like memory. It's fragmented. Mm-hmm. He's like kind of coming in and out of consciousness between. Like the timeline two weeks ago and where they are now with them. And he's yeah. just all, and we find out exactly what happens later on. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, then we kind of open up episode two. With, it's uh, yeah, almost just like that season one moment we had when we kind of opened the show because you have uh, Arnold or De- or Bernard talking yeah, to Dolores. Dolores with Arnold in the real world. Yeah, that's what Dolores I mean. and They're yeah. in the real world there because you've got that skyline on the back there. That's like, right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, at that point, you know, Ford asks Arnold if Dolores is ready, mm-hmm. and you know, Bernard tells him no. They're not Bernard. I'm sorry. Arnold tells him no. We'll go with the other girl. Yeah. And when he says the other girl, in my mind, I think he's talking about Angela, and I think that is what happens when we we figure out what like later on. Gotcha. Because um, I think this is like. This is where they are talking about with, with right here with Arnold and Bern, and uh, Ford in the same room asking if Dolores is ready. I think they were talking about the pitch that they were going to give Logan. This is what I think makes that they, sense. That's what I think that they were discussing. Yeah. And he and Arnold says, "I don't want to use Dolores. She's not ready. Let's go with the other girl." Mm-hmm. Then obviously, you know, not spoiler alert. You know, Angela kind of ha- helps make that pitch. So I think that's where 
what they were doing is they were planning for the pitch they were going to give Logan Delos. And um, yeah. they ended up going with the other girl, which was Angela, as we saw. But yeah, uh, you know, and Arnold's showing Dolores' home, mm-hmm. and he tells her, you know, I need my two worlds somewhat close to each other. Yeah. And he tells him about like taking his son and his family and basically moving inside the park, which was it that house? Well, like, yeah, they saw? weren't they weren't inside the park. They were like they were in that. I don't I don't know what city it was. I, I I'm pretty sure it wasn't New York City. Because I, I think it's California. It was, I think it was okay, LA. Gotcha. I think it was pretty sure it's LA. Because remember, um, later on in the season where James Delos says he is. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. I think I think they're sense. in Los Angeles. Because I wasn't sure if he was assuming like just move them all inside the park no, where no, the labs were. No, no, I don't okay. think he would move them inside the park. That's why he said he need my, he need my two worlds somewhat close to no, each other. No, fucked up. That would yeah, be. Because, <laughs> yeah. I don't think he would do that. So yeah. I, I just I think that they are somewhere in California. My guess is Los Angeles because you see the big city lights from behind mm-hmm. there and all that good stuff. Makes sense. But um, but one, um, yeah, we do see a little bit. I do want to say this just for a second. Like when we were talking about Arnold and Dolores. By the way, real quick, this does uh, validate your point. Um, when Dolores says, uh, "Well, Arnold says, do you know who we are?" and she says, "I'm in a dream," and he said, "No, you're in the real world." Just like you're saying. So that yeah. shows they're in the real world. But you start to see, like, Arnold is very emotionally attached to Dolores. She's the first host he ever built. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, your first dog. Like, you yeah. Know, you know, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's, that's that's really it. I, yeah. I don't want to compare her to a dog, but, like, literally, your first dog that you ever own that's yours on your own that you've brought up from a puppy, like, you know, just coming into the world. Like, Which it, is very she, interesting. Not yeah. to cut you off. I just want to say this before i forget it because we'll get into a moment much later on uh in this season where it's funny you say that because even though dolores is the first i mean we all have our favorites yeah so you good point yeah, yeah that's i know where you're going with that mm-hmm. <laughs> one of our uh madame mariposas but the one quote i do have i think that was really important is when they're talking about uh you know the splendor of the, the real world and you know how some people can see it and like he, he likes to see it through Dolores's eyes because it's like pure and untouched and like you know how people get used to something like if you like if you live somewhere you know it becomes almost you take it for granted it's not really special to you anymore where if someone comes out and visit it like the pyramids of Egypt like for me if I go and visit there that's amazing but the people who live there are probably like yeah they're the pyramids <laughs> like yeah, you know right. tourists come here all the time like or Disney World like yeah, people come Disney, here love yeah. Disney World and we're like dude we worked there at some point in time in our lives like you in know, our we, backyard like, we're like if we go twice a year cool yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. so it, it, it's funny how it's like that but it, she tells them you know a strange new light can be just as frightening as the dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was cool there. And then, you know, even Dolores asks Arnold, will you bring me back? I'd love to see it again. And they walk out, and I want you guys to keep this picture in mind because this house is very, very important. Yeah. The house itself. Mm-hmm. Like the gate and everything, the stone wall, super important. Towards, yeah, uh, that's going to come up yeah, much later on. Yeah, but that, very like that, our, our last episode for season two will come yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's sure. what I mean by much later. <laughs> yeah, we're not even on. Yeah. We haven't. Even, we got to take it one at a time. Right. We, we're only episode two right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, right. <laughs> yeah, season two, episode two. So, 
then I got, you know, the guest gets back to the lab and breaks the news that it's a slaughterhouse up there. Mm-hmm. You've got, like, those techies in there. They're like, oh, we're going on 13 hours. Where's yeah, our backups yeah. and stuff? And, like, they're thinking, like, everything is just another day in the office. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. The guy's yeah. to, like, dude, what's going on with you guys? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Everyone's fucking dead. Everyone's <laughs> <laughs> fucking dead. <laughs> it's crazy. But, uh, yeah, then Dolores breaks into the lab with our good old boy, Teddy. Um, you know, the guest gets, like, in Dolores' face and he says, you have no idea what you're up against. What's really out there? But the crazy part is Dolores really does because she's been there, like yeah. you know, she's been in the real world. Mm-hmm. She's been there with Arnold. Remember, she's got everything is unlocked for her. It's basically like she remembers everything since she was brought online for the very first time that Arnold did when she was just hands and a head yeah. and like a metal metal body. Yeah, she those, remembers yeah. everything from that moment to where she is now. She is full conscious, full her. Yeah. So she does know what's going on, like like what's out there in the real world. Well, I think he was more of saying like. Hmm, man, this is where this show is very challenging because I guess she could because she knows all the code of like everything basically, right? So I guess she would, but I think the guy was trying to say, you know, even though whatever you've seen, like been at parties or whatever, do you really realize the government powers out there that will try to take you down? Yeah, government powers are just poor human nature in general. But either way, yeah. she's seen them at their worst. You know, at yeah. Westworld, like they fucking killed them all and reprogrammed <laughs> them, and like yeah, you know, that's true. basically control their lives. So, we're like you know what she's been to is pretty much worse than anything that could happen to her out in the real world, yeah. right? And this proves your point. She says, "I know exactly what is out there in your world." Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's, and she says, "I've been there before." For sure. And then. uh Oh, we yeah. Back to your boy. You're Woo! back to your boy. Oh, yeah. Logan and Good William. Stuff. Now, this is, and I wanted to preface this, guys. This is Logan and William back before they knew about Westworld, or at least like when they were pitching the idea to them. So, like, mm-hmm. they had an idea. Like, they, they never had been there. Logan never been inside there. They're at this, like, this place that's, you know, it's for the rich area. Uh, I don't know what country it's in. Um, I don't Japan? know. I don't remember. I don't think it was Japan. I don't know where it was because no, because there was definitely overseas. It wasn't in the United States. Because remember, like he's like, I've got jet lag. William was telling Logan he had okay. Jet lag. That's so right. Yeah. I think it might have been like Hong Kong, Japan. Like it was somewhere overseas. Was, I don't know where it was. That's something maybe I. That's what I want to know is like to. where the Delos Foundation was originally like founded. Well, the thing is, is like that had nothing to do with Delos. That had to do with yeah. like the the um, original people who ran Westworld. Like like. Like Ford and Arnold's original bosses before Delos. Gotcha. Okay. So because they were, he was just part of Delos. Because they were originally there for his father, Jim Delos. Yeah. Um, but James, then they, but yeah. Jim James. That's the they same call thing. him Jim. Yeah, sometimes. Jim. Jim short for James. Yeah. But yeah, like, he's just going act like you know him. <laughs> yeah. Say I'm Jim. Go old Jim boy. Old Jimbo. <laughs> yeah. No, but yes. Nah. So like that's the thing is that. And Delos is already obviously a big name at this point in time. It's known that they have a lot of money because what mm-hmm. Logan says is like, you know, how many people are how many Starbs are begging me for my cash right now, right? You know, like AR, yeah. AI, VR, all that stuff. Like, so basically, they they are what what Ford and Arnold want is they want to have the funding that only can be really provided by a titan of the right. business world like exactly. Delos and whoever they are under now just doesn't have the resources to sustain what their yeah. their um, you know goal was which makes sense why he could spend 42,000 a day yes. <laughs> to be there exactly and so uh, yeah you know that's, by the way is- he's a hard sell like if you're in sales <laughs> 
Like, this motherfucker is like a sell. I feel like it was more that like he was trying to assert his dominance. I don't think he was really more like trying to be a hard sell. I think he was trying to be like, hey, listen, I lived in my daddy's shadow long enough. Like, I'm a big boy myself. You can't, like, like I'm going to yeah. show you I'm in charge. I think it was more like that. I don't really think, like, I think he's being playing a hard ass on purpose. I think that's I think kind of playing his a role. attitude, though. Like, he's always kind of been like that. As we saw in season one, like, he didn't really give a fuck what William had to say. Yeah, I just think he was, like, tired of living in his dad's shadow. And, like, you know, he's like, he wants people to take him seriously. Like, yeah. hey, listen, like, I'm, I'm, you know, that's why he's like, you know, if I choose to invest. Right? If you know I what choose, I mean? yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, like, when he just says, like, if I choose to invest. You know how many Starbucks are begging me for my cash right now? Like, you know, that, yeah, like, that, that was whole great. Sort of yeah. Deal here. But after, I felt like after the scene, it was like that moment in, have you ever seen Mike and Dave need wedding dates? Mm-hmm. We talked about it before. We sold your ass, Randy. <laughs> we sold your ass. I just, I moved the hat. It was the hat, wasn't it? It was the hat. I just found that over there. I just found it. <laughs> That's yeah. actually a really funny movie. That was great. But like, this is a big point I want to bring up too, is who actually approaches Logan. Yes, this is very it's important. It's Angela, which I think goes to um, support my point earlier, why I think when Ford and Arnold will talk about who mm-hmm. they're going to, you know, send to Dolores or the other girl. I think this is the point, the part. You know, they end up just going with Angela. So we see Angela there, and she's actually there with uh, Akachetta, um, which is a yeah. big important part um, later on. And think of this: William got up to get a drink. No, he went. He got to go home. Like he went. Or, got to go bed. To like bed. go to like, bed. Or yeah, whatever like, he, he did. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, he, I'll leave it to you. Yeah, just exactly. Like, bounces out. If he had stayed a little bit longer, Ooh, it would have been a very different interaction when angela first a person because remember logan was like oh yeah give me the ladies but the thing is is keep in mind back at this point in time william was not sure of himself he was not a confident person yeah. he was like the second fiddle like maybe he's like you know the evp or whatever like maybe you got those three letters yeah that's true like, yeah so he was like kind of like a an, an introvert so like he wouldn't have been at the important um Part That's of this, true. you know. What I mean, he wasn't okay, big yeah. enough yet. So they probably because told you know him he ended up becoming anyways. that big and point in time because he screwed Logan over, came back out of West yeah. Logan, and becoming a drug addict. Because well, I don't want to ruin anything, but, <laughs> but like foreshadowing yeah, at right? its finest. Yeah. So but my point I was trying to make there is William was nobody at that point in time. Yeah. Not nobody, but not important enough to like warrant him having to go with Logan to that. Yeah. Thing. So that's all I wanted to say. I there. do want to describe this scene real quick, just because yeah. it's. Logan's one of my favorites, which I, because I'm a weird ass, I always pick the weird ones, right? But so, you know, she approaches Logan and sits down, and they're really convincing him to invest. And this goes to show, like, how many competitors are in the market. And Logan says, just like you said, this is that quote you're saying, if I decide to invest, do you have any idea how many startups are begging for my cash right now? AI, AR, VR, which is artificial intelligence, uh, artificial reality and virtual reality like those are three huge things in the market right now and that's when angela says everyone is rushing to build a virtual world we're offering something a little more tangible assuming you can change your father's mind about investing in this sector which is just like you're saying like you're going for his father yeah and this is when he gets nasty yeah is that my father wouldn't know the future if it slapped him on his bare white ass luckily he leaves most of his prospecting to me now so let's hope you're not here to sell me something more than fucking fool's gold. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think that's what that kind of supports my my claim that he wants to be seen as someone important as his yeah. dad. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't want to live in his dad's shell. Like they even said, like you know, you could see if you can convince your father. Like motherfucker, don't worry about my father. Yeah. I'm, I'm here. Yeah, like that's what I think it really oh, was, man. But that's when you know she talks to him about having a private um, demonstration, demonstration, yeah. private showcase, and. Uh, 
then he says, uh, basically, he was like, you know, they go upstairs is what happens. And he was saying, wait, you're telling me this is a demonstration now. Yeah. Like the hosts are somewhere in this room. So he starts looking around and trying to figure out who it is. And then he looks at Angela and that's when he says, there is simply no fucking way. If I was to build something to spec, you would be my first design. If you want my full endorsement, you're going to have to prove it. And that's when Angela looks at him and says, welcome to Westworld. And then Logan says, nobody can do this. Nobody's even seen. We're not here yet. And that's when she says over and over, we're here, Mr. I, Delos. Yeah, I got I got something like, like I have that there. There's a couple points I wanted to bring up along the way there as well. Yeah. Good stuff there. But, you know, so they take Logan to the other room to see if he can pick out one of the hosts, mm-hmm. right? And so, it, you know, the... the caveat is is no one knows this until we find out like they all are right clementine's on the piano everyone everyone's (laughs) in the host there so he realizes first that angela's a host and he says to her like you're too perfect to be one of us and to your point he says you know but if you want my full endorsement you're gonna have to prove it (laughs) trying to get like a little like you know Uh, i don't want to sing this song (laughs) but then angela freezes everyone and we realize that everyone there are all hosts and Logan starts looking around. That one guy that he kind of like looked in, like bumped into, and like kind of gave him the up and down is frozen. And he's like kind of putting his hands from his face, looking at it all on how they're not moving a muscle. And that's the part where he says, "We're not here yet." And then Angela replies, "We're here, Mister Delos, for you." And then that's when uh, he decides to to grab her, embrace her, start making out, and then they uh, get it on. <laughs> they get, get it, it on, on get to it the on, early morning. Angela has been around what's the that block. What's that song by, by uh, Get it on to the early morning. It's so oh yeah, just turn me on. <laughs> is it? It's not temperature. Oh yeah, it's uh, get busy. We sang that one before. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's what it is. But uh, yeah, want to night my flame? <laughs> yeah, yeah call my name because it is my name. <laughs> I was thinking of it got a bad reputation <laughs> with dirty conversation. By the way, here's a good point though. You mentioned the snap with Angela, right? Which we'll talk about later this season. Just like how Ford has done before that we've seen in season one, like when he was sitting with Teresa in the garden. I don't think people give Angela enough credit. For how smart she is, because yeah. if she can do Angela that, Angela is an unsung hero, honestly. Because, like, honestly, of all the hosts, who really gets the most attention is Dolores and Maeve. But Angela is really great too. That's like, think about point. that. You can almost argue she's the smartest if she can do that that early on. Yeah. Like, who knows what she's capable? That's of. true. This was in the very, very beginning stages, like the prototypes and stuff. So, you know, makes you wonder, right? One, and she was the one that. Um, welcomed william to westworld remember like yeah get, like kind of brought him into that room and all that and stuff, she wouldn't so. be put in that position if ford didn't think she was capable right exactly that's why i said they're going with the other girl that's what you know so that's good stuff yeah that's for awesome. sure um but yeah then what i have is like dolores she catches the eye of angela from the other building mm-hmm. so dolores is back in this real world with arnold but like you know she catches the the eye of angela in the other building and this is what i put here in parentheses in my notes is like like we were talking about, hosts are able to recognize each other. Mm-hmm. Like, you know that they 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 know the difference between humans and themselves. They are yeah. able to recognize who they are. Like humans have a hard time telling who hosts are, but these hosts they they can recognize each other. Um, but yeah, then uh, Dolores makes one of the tech guys show Teddy his history, 
next and you can see how many times that Teddy's actually died. So he's given the tablet and Dolores tells the tech guy, hey, show him. And Teddy starts flipping through like the, the tablet going through the, the screens and he sees like each different time he's died himself, like his bloody corpse over and over again mm-hmm. in the different ways and stuff. And so it was just very, very strange uh, that... I wonder know. if they stole it from my book. <laughs> so yeah. it's just like my point is like like what was Dolores trying to accomplish? Was she trying to get Teddy to be like her and changes in mindset on his own without being forcing him? Kind of like you know, mm-hmm. spoiler alert later on, like hey, like you need to see what these people have done to you and see if it changed actually who he is as core being or not. But Teddy still overall was a good guy, and you know he even asks, he grabs a guy and throws him against the window. And is like, what? Why would you do this? And he says, it's for fun, right? It's all for fun. So basically these hosts are starting to realize or at least like the ones that are you know cognizant that this entire park was made for the enjoyment and amusement of humans so like their lives basically right. mean nothing yeah like your life like Teddy's life means nothing you die a thousand times I don't give a shit which like, brings into a big point of the bicameral mind that we talked about uh, for the last episode of season one like you kind of always thought Dolores and Maeve and Angela, I guess we could say, are the only ones that have really perceived and developed their own consciousness. But now it's like that's a normal thing in the park. Yeah, like this new thing, like they're all free. Like, mm-hmm. And it's funny because we actually get into that when the man in black talks about it later on. And, uh, mm-hmm. and getting coming to that point in time, actually, right now, uh, we get to this next scene and Lawrence is upside down over a red anthill. Uh, he <laughs> stole a horse from the Pardue brothers. And apparently the Pardue brothers are supposed to be some sort of formidable people, because like, like you know, even the Man in Black in a couple seconds like mentions them like yeah. in passing and stuff. It's uh, yeah, you know, I just I have next is like the Man in Black shows up, saves Lawrence, and kills the Pardue brothers. And what's really kind of cool about this is they go into this bar area, and he kind of like knocks in this wood here, breaks mm-hmm. it open, grabs this red bag, and he's like, "Oh, what is that?" He's like, "Well, technically it's cheating, but Ford changed the rules, so yeah, you know, all that stuff." But he actually tells Lawrence the truth of mm-hmm. everything what's going on. Tells him about like you know who he, he's been programmed for this this and that like you know how like they all have free will like, and how the stakes mm-hmm. are real. He literally he confides everything like into Lawrence. But like, was it because he wanted a companion along the way, or did he think that Lawrence could bring him some sort of assistance? I don't know, because he's kind of always been this lone wolf kind of guy. It's interesting, but he though. always goes back to Lawrence every time. That's what I was like, going to say. Like three separate times, like <laughs> it's almost like Lawrence is like his friend or something. Yeah, that's what I was thinking yeah. too. Like, is that is he's confiding in him because like, he generally cares about him in his own weird, sick, twisted way. Like, not cares about him like anything weird, but like just straight up like this is this is my my version of a best friend. Like as yeah. weird as you can get with a man in black because he doesn't have any friends. Didn't he say something? to him though when they were on the train in season one when they were on the way to that prison didn't you say something like i can't remember what it was but we talked about it i think where he was like i'm actually the one trying to give you freedom or something like that lawrence it's when they were on the train yeah, when he asked yeah, for yeah. like a the match cigar, or something yeah, yeah, yeah a cigar explosive cigars i know what you're yeah. talking about yeah so it's it's funny he keeps going back to him so we, he's He's got some sort of like tie or connection to to Lawrence, yeah. right? He he finds him over and over again through multiple times, and you know the man in black admits that they were watching the guests the whole time. Basically, mm-hmm. he was talking about like how like do you have like, the quote or not? Because I know that he was talking about like the judgment, like you know, you know the people the reason why guests yeah. love this park. You got to right, do it, do your thing. He said, 
Uh, so let me start on the part with Lawrence real quick. So just so I'm not in the middle of the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when they're at the bar, remember the man in black like pulls that bullet out of his arm. And he says, do you believe in God, Lawrence? And Lawrence says, I haven't given the matter much thought one way or the other. And the man in black says, well, if you did, you would believe everything you do is being watched by some all-seeing eye, every choice, every little indiscretion. And when you die, your sins are tallied up. Judgment is rendered. And then that's when Lawrence says, and my mortal soul gets cast down into the same dark place. Always sounded like bullshit to me. And like, yeah. And in the real world, you'd probably be right. Just some fairy tale to convince people to behave. Pay their taxes and do not take a mandate to their neighbors. A machete to their neighbors. A machete to their neighbors. I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> that would be funny. Like, have a whole piece <laughs> yeah, of paper. I right. wrote a thesis for you. A machete to their neighbors. That's why your world exists. They wanted a place hidden from God. A place they could sin in peace. But we were watching them, foreshadowing. We were tallying up all their sins, all their choices. Of course, judgment wasn't the point. We had something else in mind entirely. But I have received my judgment all the same, Lawrence. And I take issue with it because the stakes in this place haven't been real. So I'm going to fight my way back and appeal the verdict. Then I'm going to burn this whole fucking thing to the ground. And that's when Lawrence says, you're headed to the pearly gates. Don't we got to die to get there? And the man in black says, no. Thrice days ride die west. Three days Three ride days. due west. Three days. Three days Looks ride like due thrice, west. Looks like thrice because I can't read it. Three <laughs> days ride due west. Yeah. yeah, and that's when they go there. But it's very foreshadowing oh, for what we'll find. This whole Bell's project that mm-hmm. we're starting to kind of yeah. creep along. It's... So listen, like you know, in season one, you're really just thinking about Ford's narrative and like how everything's like built into his story. Yeah. In season two here, it's really about the Delos side of stuff mm-hmm. and their and their dealings. So good stuff. Um, next thing I have, I was like, they're like waterboarding Jacobson, which is one of the tech guys. Yeah, that's like, right. They grabbed him and like, mm-hmm. throw him in, but like it's like in this weird like white moxie putty type stuff. I don't even know. It was what like it the is. stuff the hosts were made out yeah, of. Yeah, exactly. Like the, I called it the white wax. wax. Yeah, yeah. Like wax, like, Malice yeah. in the Chalice. Yeah, that was a like sure. back in the Jinx owed me a soda from Kim Possible. Fuck yeah, that's funny. So yeah, like like basically they I, I'd say they quote unquote waterboard him. Until he tells them that like 600 to 800, uh, like the security team would be coming for them. And I think it's worse than Waterboy just burning his face. Yeah, burning it and <laughs> drowning him at the same time. Yeah, that's awful. Ugh. Yeah. And, you know, so basically they realize that they're going to be outnumbered. You know, he says they're, they're like, you know, 600 to 800 people are coming. And Teddy's like, well, we, we have like maybe 50. And Teddy tells the Lord, like, we need allies. Mm-hmm. And Dolores says, yeah. we shall have them. Yeah. And that's when Dolores has that, that tech wake up the Confederado soldier. Mm-hmm. And we figure out you know a little bit later on what her plan is with that. But then we go back to when William brought James Delos to Westeros, no, Westworld for the first time. Who is Logan's father. Yes, yeah. James Delos is Logan's father. He's the, the head honcho of everything. He's the he's the guy's money that everyone wants. Everyone wants, yeah. You know, he's he's the Bill Gates. He's the Steve yeah. Jobs. He's the Elon Musk. He is the top guy. So 
yeah, he brings uh, James Delos to Westworld for the first time. And he's Williams, what he's trying to do is trying to convince Delos to further invest into this company. Because mm-hmm. they already have some level of investment when uh, Logan agreed to it back when they like seduced him, kind of. Angela seduced him, right? Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Anyways, the quote here that really stood out and why it's important is, but this is what William tells, tells James Delos. Nobody is watching. Nobody is judging. At least that's what we tell them. This is the only place in the world where you get to see people for who they really are. And if you don't see the business in that, then you're not the businessman I thought you were. So we're starting slowly, piece by piece. Again, we're only in episode two of season two, but we're starting to see piece by piece like what this new project and undertaking is starting to like require of of the, right. the you know what Dallas is trying to do with this information, like what they've been doing. It's they're trying to acquire like guests experience mm-hmm. and uh yeah but the crazy part is is like once because kind of james dallas is like like the head honcho and so he kind of like looks down at everyone else and i think william kind of earned his respect there a little bit because he's because yeah. he's, he's like there's not a man alive not anymore that would speak to me that way yeah. he's like let's talk and they start walking and talking but then what you see is them walk past dolores mm-hmm. remember dolores has full consciousness now and she overheard that conversation but now that she's free will and fully herself she remembers that conversation. Yeah. And she knows what, like, this entire time, when people are telling Dolores she doesn't know what's there, she really does because she was there from the beginning and she was overhearing what they were saying. Right. That's so right. Dolores knows what the Dallas Project yeah. is. But, yeah. And then uh, we get back to Maeve, Hector, and Lee, and they have a run-in with Dolores and Teddy. Yeah, and that's right. this is... Okay, I'm playing the great debate. Oh, my God. I'm playing the great debate. I threw <laughs> it out my there. Language. I threw Fucking that out there. <laughs> Malice in the chalice. Yeah. Cheers. Mm. I'm throwing a great debate out Let's here. Let's hear it. Let's have it. Because this was awesome. Like this is this is like almost if you guys are you guys ever watched the the movie We're Back with like the dinosaurs? Yeah, with the dinosaurs. Like the good ones and they have like the mm-hmm. like the flip version of the evil ones of themselves. This was kind of that kind of moment, right? Like Maeve was a it good was, version of Dolores yeah. and like and Hector was the bad version of Teddy. Right, it was my debate, yeah. man. Like in in a duel, who the oh, fuck God. would win, Hector or Teddy? Because we see how fucking accurate and deadly with a pistol Teddy is when he needs to be or wants to be. He just doesn't have it in him to be a mean, like straight up like natural born ice cold killer. Hector can be an ice cold killer, but then we see what happens to Teddy later on. That's so what I was thinking. My question is, yeah. who wins in a fucking gunfight, Hector or Teddy, man? When all the chips are stacked in and they both have it on their mind that they've got to kill the other, who the fuck wins that gunfight? Dude, that's really tough. That's such a tough question. <laughs> that's so really tough. That's such a tough question. Because here's my argument, right? You would immediately, you would think Hector at first, right? Because he he's you know the outlaw savage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's outlaw savage. But then we'll talk about what happens to Teddy later on. And yeah. here's the catch: is just go back to thinking when Hector was giving his fucking speech in front of the saloon, how sloppy he gets. Yeah. You don't see the sloppiness from Teddy. Like, yes, he might fight for justice. So my here's my argument. Is I would think Hector Hector would only win if he did something dirty like Braun from Game of Thrones, okay. in my opinion. Because Teddy wouldn't do that. But in the end, I think Hector gets very sloppy. So but given the fact that he's with Maeve. I don't think Hector would do anything dirty. So my argument is Teddy would win that battle. Yeah, 
Dude, I it's such a tough battle. It's a tough choice for me too, because Hector has that built-in killer instinct. Or Teddy, can we assume Teddy, he's with Maeve? Is this like an alternate reality? This is just at them by themselves at their at their absolute peak of their physical abilities and the mindset of hey, I need to kill the other one. And keep in mind, we kind of get to see how good Hector is in battle. With uh, speaking of body doubles, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, not to get too far ahead, but yeah, the Shogun world, yeah, for sure. Um, it's just because it was funny because you know, even in that exact scene, Teddy like kind of pulls his gun and like Hector pulls. He's like, "Try it, lawman," <laughs> and, then, and then Teddy's like, "Just trying to keep the peace." <laughs> yeah, but, like, so Teddy's badass. trying to, but, like, but the point is, like, man, like I think Teddy's like the the better pure gunsman. Like mm-hmm. he's like better. He's quicker with the draw and probably more accurate. But I just think Hector's he's his constitution is made up of like he's much stronger stuff like i like if you were to ask me and in, in my bet if you go back through westworld's history and you look at all the times teddy's died versus all the times hector's died i bet teddy's died more than hector but that could have been because teddy been trying to be the good guy so like i don't have i don't have a good answer because i i like them both i think they're both extremely talented I just I don't. So if know. you got to choose, who would you choose? So I, I guess I I I guess I gotta go. See, here's the thing. Honestly, like I would, if because if it's their own world by themselves, I would think Teddy would probably fight more for justice and try to negotiate. So I'm gonna pick Hector wins because I don't think he let, decides to listen. I think he just fucking kills him. Yeah, if you're just talking about like a skill of arms, because I you're... do think probably Teddy. I think Teddy has a better skill of arms. He's got a quicker draw. He's more accurate with his shot, and like that's what he does. He, he's. The I would guy. say that. Like, yeah, skill but, wise. But Hector is just a fucking survivor. You know, he took out the whole QA team by himself. Like you know what I mean? You remember they made found. But him? then look at Teddy. Yeah, and he took yeah, out the fucking Confederados like, with a yeah, wagon. Like and not even that. You know, what we talk about. And then what we talk about later? Like he didn't give a fuck, dude. And so not even just before. Before he even didn't give a fuck. When they first arrive at that one place, and he has to, you know, Dolores tells Teddy to teach them a quick lesson real quick, and he, you know, two guns just like. Dude, I don't know. I'm calling. You know what? I'm I'm gonna cop out and say they kill each other at the same time. Boom, one bullet. They kill each other. With the <laughs> gods of the underworld, I summon the great debate card. Now, if Maeve and Dolores got in a fight till the death, no rules. Whatever goes. If you want their price, it's on the fucking door. So decide who wins, Maeve or Dolores. And you gotta keep in mind. They both can use their own consciousness here because they all have yeah, they have I mean, full consciousness ability now. Listen, Maeve's probably my favorite character in Westworld, and to realize if we talk about the height of their powers, what Maeve is able to do later that we'll talk about in this in the season. Uh, and think of intellectual ability. This isn't just about skill here. Not nothing to do with skill. Honestly, it has nothing to do with skill at all. I just I, I don't think. I think Maeve's outsmarted Dolores twice already. Uh, I think Maeve Maeve wins that. <laughs> I just I just do. I think you know Dolores has the killer instinct, and you know probably could get the job done under normal circumstances. But the fact is, is Maeve's a very special host, and she has very special abilities. I don't want to get into what those abilities are, but like she can basically control anyone that's a that's a host. That is <laughs> like, yeah like, uh, right. Here's the other issue, though, right? 
as far as like when she developed those and then Dolores is the first. So who's to say she didn't already know about that? And yet here's the catch, right? Maeve is definitely more of the negotiator justice type where it's funny we're talking about this because it's more like Dolores should be with the fucking Hector and Maeve should be with Teddy. Dude, really, seriously, that's <laughs> yeah. so funny you say that. Yeah. That's a really good point. <laughs> so it's it's like you almost here's the catch right just like how we were just talking about like Dolores heard that Maeve didn't really develop her powers until this year or until this season right it's not her well, last season well, a certain aspect of her powers she's always been able to control hosts like like, like mm-hmm. the back in season one remember yeah. she told like the sheriffs to shoot each other like the the marshals to shoot each other right yeah so like yeah when we talk about the next level of her ability doesn't matter dolores has ears <laughs> like dolores yeah that ears. is true you know okay I mean? yeah like, you know so it doesn't yeah. like this next level of her ability that we'll talk about shortly uh maybe actually probably next week i think is when we'll get into that but yeah i would have to agree i think that's what i would have to choose Maeve too because even what happens to the end of the season i would say for how smart dolores the problem is, is though actually let me think about this here because this is obviously this is coming with full knowledge of the entirety of season two Remember how many times Dolores was, was, argue, yeah. was hit and shot and she walked through it like it was nothing. Like where Maeve had things happen and she was basically on the table almost. Yeah, I don't want to. But it's so tough. That's like, difficult, I don't know, right? That's like, yeah, it's like. Uh, like think know. about the very end. There is actually the same episode. Because remember like even at the. Uh, remember when Dolores tries to get a certain person back. Mm-hmm. And walks towards it, and she takes shots like everywhere, and doesn't flinch, doesn't yep. move, mm-hmm. like doesn't even think. But then, like you know, then, Maeve, Maeve mm-hmm. has has a time where she uh, is in a tough situation, like, and she ends up yeah. a lot worse off for wear. A lot worse so, off, like, I would say. So I don't know. That's man. difficult. Both, like I both feel are like really good debates, brother. A good one. <laughs> like I, I feel like really, yeah, Dolores and Hector would be the true Bonnie and Clyde, and then yeah. Teddy and Maeve should take them down. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. for good is what it should 100%. be. Hundred percent. That's that's yeah. good shit. That's awesome. Good stuff, bro. Cool. Let's get back into it. So yeah. I guess we can both say we it's, both agree yeah. they would both on both teams kill each other. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Just, that's crazy, guess, man. Yeah. I, the writing is amazing. As Maeve was like so controlling Dolores. She, like, fires off all the bullets, and she can't stop the bullets. So there you go. <laughs> and it's, it's funny because, like, you know, at least Dolores – I'm sorry. Yeah, Dolores does allow Maeve to pass freely from this whole, like, quick conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, if you're defending liberty, then, I'm you've, you know, you've got no right to hold me here. I'm going to yeah. pass freely. Mm-hmm. So they do. And then – you know, Dolores, what she wants really is she wants the Confederate forces. Because mm-hmm. think about it. Remember what she was told? There's 800 of like the security QA human team coming for them. Yeah. 800, up to 800 people. Mm-hmm. Right. So she needs she needs men. So she uh, gets to um, <laughs> uh, the, this little like I don't know if it's a bar or what the heck it is, but she ends up give like she gives back the person that she brought back online. He goes back to them and you know. They open up the door and they're all kind of drinking and eating there. And you see Major Craddock. That's his name. Yeah. Major Craddock. He's there and he basically tells him that, like, oh, yeah, you know, like, we were very, very shocked to receive our lieutenant, whatever his name is, back. Do you have the actual quote there? I don't, I didn't write it down because I didn't think it was important. But 
you know, we, like, we were very surprised since we buried him in the ground back, you know, with yeah, three ounces yeah, full right. of lead. That was great. You know, so it's like they already mistrust Dolores because, like, they basically they, they realize that she brought him back from the dead. So mm-hmm. they have, like, their differences, right? Yeah. Like, they kind of, like, verbally spar with each other a little bit and then... Yeah, she says, yeah. you're right. We have tooled in God's service long enough, so I killed him. If you want to get a get glory, you wouldn't be looking for his favor. You'll need it in mine. And yeah, I think before that is when like yeah, yeah. they had him in a bag. So that was right after. So but, yeah, they, yeah. They, they gave him well, they gave him back to him, and they're like, dude, like that's what the Confederate soldiers were very, they were confused because they they had buried him and knew he was dead, and like oh goodness, like this person just rose from the dead, like this person brought him back. And uh, so they have, like I said, they have a distant opinion, and then basically she's like, well. Don't worry, like, cause like he says something dirty. She goes, "Is that your final decision?" And he goes, "No, my final decision is like figure out which you know I'll leave for myself and which one of you guys I'll leave for my men." Yeah. And Teddy's like, "Watch your mouth." And she's like, "Oh, don't worry, Teddy, relax. He doesn't know any better. You know, let's let's just let's teach him." And then <laughs> Teddy by himself pulls out two guns and kills like all thirteen of them by himself within like seconds. It's he pulls out two guns like bah, 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 bah. and like all of a sudden all the Craddock's men and Craddock himself are dead. Yeah. Then maybe and then I'm sorry. Then Dolores has the tech guy bring them all back online yeah, right away. That's right. Mm-hmm. Like this shit is crazy. That's awesome. So, that was badass. But that, that's the thing. That Teddy quick on the draw. Two guns just took out a whole like all thirteen of them by himself. <laughs> like all he's long. like Wyatt Earp, man. Like, like yeah, crazy. it's crazy. Like John Wayne. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, literally. Like oh, he, the, if he wasn't a good guy, well, I guess we. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> Foreshadowing. We'll right? <laughs> yeah. But now we, we go back to, like, a celebration of, like, this is this is years ago. We go back to, like, a flashback 30-plus years ago of James Delos's retirement, mm-hmm. right? And William is there with his wife, Juliet, and his daughter, Emily. And Emily's just a little girl right now. Because, remember, like, she goes up and tells Dolores, you're really beautiful. She's, right? like, on the piano. Yeah, playing, like, Smuggled choking, her out like, in the luggage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, William looks at her and... You know, but Juliet, Juliet is uh, William's wife, and she tells Emily, like, come here, like, get away from them. Basically, I wonder if she had a feeling that, because remember, Juliet kind of knew William better than anyone. Right, As we yeah. get later into the season, mm-hmm. we'll start to really see how, how well she knew him. Really, really well. Yeah. Like, do you think she knew anything that happened between that specific host, Dolores, and, and William, or, like, she just, was she just mistrustful of hosts in general? I think I don't know. she definitely she did because of what happens later on with what she discovers. Okay. You yeah. know what I'm talking yeah, about, right? I do. Mm-hmm. But at yeah. that point in time, it hadn't happened yet because he didn't, she didn't discover that until so, he was old. Yeah, at this Remember? point, I don't think Because he's still so. young, William, at this point in time. Yeah. But when she discovers what she discovers, he's old, William. That's right. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. I don't yeah. know. It's, it's, yeah. I, I don't think so But she's always so had her suspicions. Like, yeah. You know? But very, you yeah. want to smuggle her out in your luggage? <laughs> well, that's exactly what he did. <laughs> yeah, it's and it so, was for Jim's retirement party. Yeah, is what it yeah, was. Yeah, it was right. supposed to be for him. James. And then, and then yeah. even James is like, "Well, it seems more like a coronation for you." And and that's when William's like, "Well, you stepping down doesn't help me at all." And yeah, James Dallas tells him, "He's like, well, it doesn't help me either." And, and what what William says to him is like, "Things are progressing, but we all need a little patience." And Dallas replies, "Well, some of us can afford." Uh, can afford to have more patience than others. And this is a foreshadow to what Dallas has been doing this entire time, too, when we actually find out later on in the episodes. So Yeah. And this is where I say Logan makes a reappearance. Yeah. Logan makes his boy. first actual... Yeah. We, we, we like, talk about him, but this is where he makes his first actual reappearance since he was like stuck with mm-hmm. like the feather on the horse naked and dro- like, like right. thrown off into the thing. 
you see him a complete drug addict, right? Yeah. Like, this is the first time he's been seen since Westworld. And, like I said, you know, he, like, injects stuff into his arm. He's got, like, needle holes like in there. Like, yeah, yeah, it yeah, might I be heroin. Yeah. Who knows what the hell it is, man? But he's some sort of drug addict because he went mad in Westworld, um, you know, thanks to William. And, you know, William is now basically running the company that was meant for Logan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I do have a quote from him that is actually... You can think Ooh, of what I, I yeah. have it too. You go ahead and take it. It's it's good stuff. Yeah. This is they talking about like like when he says like well, you want them what they're celebrating like that yeah, one. Okay. The fiddling. Yes, yeah. Exa- yeah. So <laughs> basically, you know, when we see that man, that he makes the reappearance, it's because Dolores went down and was mm-hmm. checking out like the splendor of the city lights and stuff. And he you see thinks Dolores girls are just there. like <laughs> yeah, wild. Right? He's that guy. You know who Logan is? Logan is that guy in the club that thinks he's hot shit. Like everyone's there. For he's him. like that fifty-year-old that is like in the club with twenty-year-olds and forgets that he like he's not that guy. Anymore. Goes straight to the girls with the X's on their hands. Is like hey, <laughs> yeah, right, <underage>. yeah. Yep. <laughs> you don't know any better yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, man. But the, the quote that we want to talk about for Logan, he says, "Do you want to know what they're really celebrating up there? That darling." is the sound of fools fiddling while the whole fucking species starts to burn. And the funniest fucking part? They lit the match. So here's to you, assholes. May your forever be blissfully short. <laughs> Cheers! <laughs> <laughs> mm. That was good shit. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get back to uh, the Men in Black and Lawrence. They arrive in Par- Pariah. Uh, looking for an army, and they encounter El Lazo, El Lazo. Which, which is funny because Lawrence used to be El Lazo. Yeah, so. he keeps switching like between roles. If you notice, like it's interesting. Lawrence El Lazo, Lawrence El Lazo. Like it, it. Yeah, there's definitely something going on. He here. was only El Lazo like like back when William was young. He wasn't El Lazo like past that. Well, he was El so. Lazo. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to talk about. Like yeah. when they're on the train with Logan when he was El Lazo back in right, season like, one. Yeah, yeah, very, very yeah, yeah. Like, like when William was mm-hmm. young, so he, he hasn't played El Lazo in a very long time because I remember the man mm-hmm. was like, "This was a." This, I'm surprised you recognize him, Lawrence. This was a role that you yeah. used to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that's fantastic. And like the new El Lazo. It's a big, big quote because like basically what the man black wants is he wants their army. Yeah, and this is El Lazo's quote says. I won't be going with you. I have seen all the truth that I can bear. But we can drink to the bitter end. And the man in black grabs him at gunpoint and says, You may have lost your nerve, but I'll take your men either way. Yeah. And this was a haunting place. It felt like very Day of the Dead kind of vibe. Yes, it It, did. You know what? It it was that mixed with like, you know, in Lord of the Rings where they go to that Return of the King with the ghosts and stuff in there. That's what I felt like it kind of was. And he was just sitting there. It was interesting because they had just won a victory in battle of their own. Yeah. Like they had just got off of war and like they're. Cause like he never found the fulfillment that he was looking for after the big fight because that mm-hmm. was like kind of the big speech that he was giving that not terribly important to the plot line but like important for his own character's role right yeah and so uh at th- this point when he holds him at gunpoint alazo says this game was meant for you william but you must play it alone and then he says i'll see you in the valley beyond william yeah and great. the whole army kills itself they pull the triggers on their own head and you know, even like Alazo blows his own brains out with like the man in black held the gun to his head, and Alazo grabs the man in black's fingers and pulls the trigger and kills himself. So 
They have no army. They went there to Pariah to to receive some sort of army, get them get Elazo's men, and they leave with nothing because they all kill themselves. I do like this though because I do want to see this. So of course, first he says like, "Why have two ghosts come creeping among the dead?" Which is very like kind of like suspicious. But he tells this story, and it's kind of like it makes you wonder what we're going to see in future seasons because he says before the revolution when i was just a little boy my parents took me to the circus i wanted to see the elephants these mighty creatures they held them in place with stakes they could tear a tree right out of the ground and yet a simple stake kept them in well i didn't understand but then my father told me he said the stakes were used when the elephants were just young too small to pull them up and that was their animals and that was the animals that never tried to pull them up again i have seen all the truth that i can bear but we can drink and then he says uh that's when he says you know he has to go at the game alone but he starts saying basically like with that parable is he's referring to elephants but in my mind that was basically like you're not going to be able to control what's there like these hosts in the park are like basically See, he's saying me. you're gonna like say you want to go up against the real world like no matter what you'll still be held down so for me i actually got a completely different message from that than when he was talking about the elephants and the message i got about the elephants was basically like the only barriers or restrictions you place on yourself are the ones that are in your mind Okay, see, so that's Because, good. you know, like, okay, they, they pinned them down, they take them down when they were young, and they couldn't move. And so, they, because they couldn't move when they were that age, they just figured, when as they grew up, they couldn't move either. Because yeah. Because they grew up knowing. Like, so it's like the only, you know, the only restrictions that, you know, are placed on you are the ones that you are making up in your own mind. So, so. the only thing I was wondering on that then, because then he does go to show, he says, like, I've bear, I can, I've done all I can bear. Like, I'm not doing anymore. So, like, it makes you wonder if, like, in other seasons, if, say, Alazo or Lawrence we know has been to the other side. Like, to the real so. world. I don't think so. Uh, because the, there's no evidence showing, because the, the, that's probably a program speech mm -hmm. that he was given. I don't, there, I mean, that character. Because he, then he also like controls because, them. You know? Because usually, like with characters that replace other ones, like remember the new Clementine in Sweetwater, or the, the yeah. him, the new El Lazo, or you know who like, the new Dolores' dad. Like the replacement ones are never really important. They just they just take the new place. I don't think that he would have been one of the important enough hosts to have the opportunity to visit the, the real world. So gotcha. See, that's where I like. It's challenge. I mean, because we don't really know like as far it's all as speculation, this show. right it's all speculation but at the same time he has to have some sort of power because he was able to control all those other hosts when he was taken hostage like only Maeve Angela and Ford that we know can do that but there were only his own men so I think that okay. was a, uh, that was a pre-program because he wasn't able to control like Lawrence you know okay I mean? got it you know, that makes sense because so, I guess yeah he could have stopped Lawrence own, yeah his own people he could have like you know commanded Lawrence to kill a man in black behind got him, it shoot okay. him in the back or something right got kind it. of like you know to that Maeve moment later on spoiler but, <laughs> spoiler but, alert uh, yeah. yeah so I it makes I, sense yeah, I okay he perfect. just had had it yeah. his own people but cool yeah this is you know we go back to the, in that little area there with the man in black you know, he was talking about, you know, the valley beyond. And he's like, I built it. And this place we're going is my greatest mistake. 
So right now we're starting to see is William on the like you know man, the man in black or William how you want to call him is he on the road to retribution because he realizes that the mistake he made was you know the project that they're undertaking which you know hasn't been fully disclosed yet but if you're starting to follow along you're probably you'll probably start to get mm-hmm. in what they're doing right but yeah and then you know really cool stuff now we get back to where William thirty years ago brings Dolores online. And tells her why he felt the way he felt about her. And that humans will search for the same thing that he found, which, you know, he shows her the construction site of the forge, you know, obviously, which is really important later on. But the, the speech that he was giving her, he's like, listen, like, I can't believe I fell in love with you. But then mm-hmm. again, it wasn't that I fell in love with you. I fell in love with myself because you right. helped me introduce me to myself. And if I was able to feel that, other guests are going to feel the same exact thing mm-hmm. and those emotions and the, pe- the people who the guests truly are coming out is exactly what they want for their project that's right that's gotcha. actually long and short of it right perfect yeah. and she actually brings like, he actually brings Dolores to like the site of the construction mm-hmm. of that place where they're going to be storing that information right no that's so that's true crazy shit and then we go back to Teddy and Dolores and they approach Colonel Brigham in the village with Craddock you know he, they, you know, Dolores and Teddy bring Craddock and the other like confederados with them and uh, yeah, she <laughs> she has this amazing quote to finish out that episode. She Laura says, "An old friend was foolish enough to show me long ago, and it's not a place; it's a weapon, and I'm gonna use it to destroy them." And this is her referring to when William brought her out in the real world and showed her the forge being constructed. Yeah. So that was a big, big moment there, and it's that actually moment. closes out episode two, which will kind of drive right into season two episode three mm-hmm. and uh which is kind of cool because this is one of our one of the we get to see new characters for the first time yeah this is cool. right it's a little interesting so it opens with like sitars playing if you guys know what sitars are they're basically you have to sit down they almost have like a circular it's like a guitar but they've got like a big circular bass and they, I think they've got six strings, but they're very, very long, and you play them all the way down. It's a very traditional instrument. But they're playing, and like we get to see this guy. He's like overlooking a balcony. He looks down and sees this woman kind of ignoring a guy that comes up to her. So we get an idea, like, you know, whether obviously it's still like a host-type world-ish thing, right? Were they in that garden where, like, Teresa and Ford were? In season one, because that's kind of what yeah, it, it looks, looks similar like. to it. I yeah. can't. I don't, I don't know if I can verify that it is that place or yeah. not. But it did, to your point, look very, very similar to that. Mm-hmm. Like the the place where she kind of looks like Teresa too. Like she's. I, not, th- I didn't think that. I thought she looked a lot like the person in the picture mm-hmm. uh, that we saw from season one. I don't want to give anything away yet because as of this point in time, we don't know who she is. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So you know that that man goes to actually see that woman and, and they. They are both guests in here when they're sitting around a multitude of hosts. They talk about hunting Bengal tigers. That's yeah. the biggest thing. So, guys, if you guys don't know this, this is something I wanted to bring up about Bengal tigers. Bengal tigers are traditionally the most aggressive of the tigers. And tigers, obviously, are one of the top predators of the food chain in any sort of ecosystem. So, I would hunting, not fuck with it. Hunting Bengal t- <laughs> Well, like, tigers are one thing, but Bengal tigers are like, yeah. basically, if you remember the Jungle Book, Shere Khan was yeah, a Bengal, Khan. Yeah, was a Bengal yeah. tiger. Like, like an aggressive, just like, you know, it will go out of its way to kill you. You know what I mean? So the fact that they like to hunt Bengal tigers is already like crazy. Like, these guys, like, you know, they they, yeah. they are very sure of themselves. They're some badasses, right? Uh, it's funny because like, they kind of pique each other's interests and things get steamy. But 
that woman needs proof that that guy isn't a host. Yeah. So you take a little Which bit is there. really cool. This is where I want to sing that song, but I ah. told ah. Josh I would not. Instead, we moved to another one because of coronavirus. Take off our masks. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's Josh's song, actually. I stole it. I actually like that song. That was, that was one from your point, like... If you guys want to know where that song's from, it's actually that scene that I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know. I, like, Chase proved me wrong, and he showed me like the, the things happening with the, the tech guy that was a necrophiliac. Uh, when those things were happening as he was doing those actions that Chase correctly pointed out. That song was playing, and I thought that song was fucking wild. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where that came from. But you have this, like, sexual kind of deviant moment. So they go into the room, and, of course, just like anyone that's been drinking, kind of start ripping each other's clothes off right away. Yeah. And then she stops for a minute, like, thinking about what she's doing. And she walks over to her nightstand and picks up a gun. And the guy is like what what are you doing and he's like well if it's true what you're saying because you've been telling me you're real then this will only sting a bit so and like right as he's talking she just shoots him yeah like it was like one two shot yep and he just falls to the ground and he's like writhing but he's still alive so she knows right there he is real and then that's when it goes back to take off our mess that's exactly (laughs) like her exact quote after that was like congratulations and now where were we? How she mounts <laughs> yeah. him, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good shit. Bengal tiger style. Which yeah. is kind of crazy because, like, this has to have happened just before the like, the switch of everything, like the Ford thing where, like, Dolores shot him. Right. The reason why I say that is because these weapons are supposedly able to kill guests now. Mm-hmm. And she didn't kill him. She only wounded him. So it must have just happened because of this next scene. It must have all happened right at this exact time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, um, there that's wa- the song we'll go with. <laughs> yeah. Loosen up my buttons, baby. Some pussy cats? <laughs> yeah. Okay. There you go. So, like, but the cats, the Bengal tigers. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, I have is like, 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 we find out the guy's name is Nicholas, and they're riding on elephants en route to the tiger hunt. It's kind of cool. Like, the elephants have these cages on top, and they're like, like, on, like, they're riding it, like, standing up on the little basket cages, and, you know, they they get to the part where they need to be, and she realizes something's wrong, and they walk in on dead bodies. And Nicholas thinks that they are hosts, and it's a new narrative. And it's like a new narrative twist. Mm-hmm. But the girl, she says that she rode the train with them, and they're actually guests. Yeah. Which is crazy, because like as I said, not even moments ago in the past scene, she shot this guy, Nicholas, and nothing happened. Now they get to the Spartan time, and real guests are dead. And what happens here? Their guide tries to kill them and he actually does kill nicholas yeah <laughs> shoots him yeah. you know and, but you know she the girl is actually able to kill that guide and she runs to the forest and comes face to face with a fucking bangle tiger yeah and their guide uh genji genji that's what it was yeah he says a very iconic line we've heard Bang. and he says right as like he's shooting uh a man and woman he doesn't shoot the girl we're talking about. He, he, shoot, no, he shoots Nicholas. Like, he there's, shoots there's Nicholas, two, yeah. There's only those two. The man. Yeah, yeah, he tries to shoot the girl, but she doesn't. That's what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he like aims it at yeah, her, but he shoots gets, it at the him, guy, yeah. Nicholas. Which we'll talk about who this girl is later. But he says, these violent delights have violent ends. Over and over again. This is a quote that comes back and back to play. Yeah, and you know, like I said, she came face to face with the, the Bengal tiger, and she shoots it, and then runs. Yeah. And the crazy part here is we're going to see like this big full circle moment because mm-hmm. she runs past the boundary of the guest experience area, 
right? It has that like announcement, mm-hmm. warning, you have, you know, whatever, like that weird automated message that basically tells her she's outside of the boundaries of where she's allowed to be. Mm-hmm. That's not the crazy part. The crazy fucking part is the tiger's able to follow her yeah. past that damn line. So she comes to that bluff or the cliff, and that Bengal tiger follows her right up, runs and sprints at her and jumps, and she shoots, and they both fall. Because, guys, remember in the present time that we, we start yeah. season two with, and they, they kind of see, like, Carl Strand and all of them see that Bengal tiger wash mm-hmm. up on the shore dead there. This is exactly, this is, explains how that happened. It reminded me of Aragorn when he fell off the cliff. Oh, the and, like, yes. the two Who is he being chased by? The Wolverines, like, the on the wolf orcs. Thing. Yeah, yeah, the Wolverines that's right. on the orcs. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, he fell. I yeah. love that. We'll cover that in 20, was it 2021? Yeah. yeah, 2021. We sure yeah. will. And then, talking about Strand, we get back to him right now, and he's actually debriefed by that girl with, with the automatic assault weapon that the system is totally down and including the munitions and floors 42 through 45 of the Mesa are still on fire and we find out that someone took out the cradle and she calls it a slaughterhouse Yeah. and then the quote by Charlotte Hale looks to Bernard and she says Bernard because they, get, they go, end up going getting in there and she goes Bernard you made it out alive I didn't think you had it in you. Some weird shit going on there, guys. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we find out. Charlotte that- doesn't give a fuck, honestly. Charlotte. She's a, she's, uh, I guess she is interesting. She, the definition of a bad bitch. I guess yeah, she's an interesting character, man. Yeah. And you know, at this point in time, you know, we we get between Carl Strand and Hale, and neither of them have found Peter Abernathy, which mm-hmm. has that control in it that they both want. So then we go back in Bernard's mind when he and Hale were in the park looking for Peter Abernathy in the first place, back to like that two weeks ago type time frame. And we actually find out that Peter Abernathy is one of Rebus's captives. Mm-hmm. So as of right now, Rebus is still that bad guy. Right. As opposed to when season two, episode one started off and we saw him be kind of a good guy, right? So Hale and Bernard, they lay a trap for Rebus. And what they do, because you know, obviously she screams, help! And like they, he goes and runs and finds her. Yeah. And Bernard like ambushes him, hits him in the back of the rock, knocks him out. And what happens, and we see it here, and how we know the timeline's flipping and flopping, is that they actually reset Rebus's code. Mm-hmm. And they code him to be like the fastest drawing, gunslinging good guy. So, and Rebus uh, is the milk thief. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> That's so, who I referred to him as. It's crazy because they're like, growing boy. Yeah. Well, that, that's actually his. Um, oh, gotcha. Like, okay, guy, yeah. yeah, but he was with. He yes. was like with that team, right? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now the crazy part is here is that now that Rebus is coded as a good guy, he goes right back down to the where they were holding captives, Abernathy and some of the guests that were actually human, and what he was wanting to do originally was sell them to the Confederados. So he goes and tries to find that screaming girl, which was Charlotte Hale, and he got reprogrammed. He goes back down there. All of his henchmen think everything's all good, and he starts fucking killing them. He shoots his own men and releases his own captives. Wild shit. And so from that, Bernard and Hale get Peter Abernathy uh, for a hot second before the Confederados find him. Now Hale runs off, and she Mm -hmm. gets on there, and she's able to get out of Dodge. But they take Bernard and Peter Abernathy captive. Yeah. So then we get to see our boy Colonel Brigham parlay with Dolores. Uh, basically what Dolores wants is she wants Brigham's men. 
Yeah, you know, she kind of exactly gets into you know like the long and short of it. They have like a conversation back and forth. He doesn't really respect women. Keep in mind, guys, this is Civil War times where like you know he's kind of given yeah. major cratic like a hard time for allowing a woman to ride ahead of him and speak like as yeah. if she's like the leader and shit. And and she basically shows him what's up, right? And so. Dolores brings out the human hostage, the one that they were waterboarding mm-hmm. inside the, the Westworld mud buddy. Or the wax. wax shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They bring mud him out. Buddy. And this yeah. is exa- to your point, because we were talking about being funny and talking about the, the correlations to Game of Thrones. I say they bring out the human hostage and play the recon run game. <laughs> same thing down. Literally, I wrote the same fucking thing. I have to show you that. Cause I, oh, that's so great. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see where I wrote that shit. Oh, reminds me of the recon run. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Do the recon run. So they they yeah. give Colonel Brigham the new age gun and you know, he runs off and Colonel Brigham guns him down. Played the recon run. And, and it was some, the machine gun, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. The, the red machine gun. gun the the yeah. new age gun. Yeah, the mm-hmm. new age gun. And then what Colonel Brigham says, he looks at Dolores and says, Wyatt. Welcome to Fort Forlorn Hope. Yeah. <laughs> Brings him on in. So It's amazing how he switches so quick. Yeah. He's like, Ooh. Like, yeah. It's like that uh it's like Aladdin when he grabbed the lamp and then Abu <laughs> was like tempted to touch everything else and it all burned down. Yep. That's what happened. He was Abu. <laughs> yeah. And then we get back to your boy Lee and he warns Maven Hector that QA will launch a park-wide assault, right? He's dressed like the yeah, farmer. He was dressed as the Put farm on boy. your farmer clothes. Yeah, like, a, like a colonial <laughs> farmer, was. right? Yeah. It was great. But he, he warns Maven Hector that the QA will launch a park-wide assault and that they should continue underground, but they keep going as is above ground. Now, the issue with that is Ghost Nation shows up. And you guys remember, Hector has the ability to speak that language, yeah. the Ghost Nation's language. And he translates for them and basically they say, hey, listen, you know, Maven, Hector, you want to continue on your way? We'll let you go, but we're taking Lee. Like, because yeah. he's a human. They, they realize he's he's a human. And uh, Maeve basically says, nah, need her. Need, yeah, need not him, happening. Right? So she tries <laughs> her mind control. Like, she tells them, like, you'll walk away, but, like, Ghost Nation's unaffected. And we realize mm-hmm. why this is. Yeah. Right? Guys, it's crazy how, how intricate this game and narrative is in Westworld. Like, the languages that are spoken are very important, as we come to find out later on when we get to another world, and then obviously with the Ghost Nation, having, like, like there are certain languages... This is know, what Game of Thrones should have had. Like, this is the detail that... Great detail. This is the bread and butter of the show. Like, mm-hmm. it's... Yeah, the technology is great, and the visuals are cool, but, like, this is what Game of Thrones should have had season eight. Like, every little detail adds up to one major plot line. 100%. And so, yeah, the, the ghost nation is unaffected by her trying to do mm-hmm. mind control. And and they start running. She like tells us, like, Hector, I need him. And Hector, crazy part here, Hector doesn't want to kill the ghost nation. Yeah. He doesn't shoot them. He shoots at the water. Mm-hmm. He shoots at the water multiple times. And so then they end up running, and they find the evacuation point, And they get out just in time as, you know, the ghost nation kind of surrounds yeah. them. So that was cool and stuff. Um, but then... Uh, we go back to the Confederados, the ones who had taken uh, Bernard and Abernath- Peter Abernathy hostage mm-hmm. when Hale disappeared, like she was able to run off, right? Yeah. Uh, they bring the Confederados bring the captives to Fort Forlorn Hope, and Dolores sees that they have her father and Bernard. Yeah, and so 
you know, she goes up there and demands to speak to her father alone, and the guy's like, I ain't taking no charge from no woman, and Teddy punches him in the mouth and says, you fucking better. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> like obviously, yeah. I'm paraphrasing here, but, like, <laughs> you know, so then at that point in time, Teddy takes, you know, Peter Abernathy to the infirmary tent, and uh, Dolores has them toss Bernard in jail with the rest. Like, she's yeah. like, oh, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, like, she, that's my moment where I wrote on here, like, she really doesn't give a fuck anymore. Like, she just didn't even give Bernard a chance, really. Like, she does later she on. She, I think it's because she knows that he's been working and programming them. Yeah, but that's... she knows, because remember, she's fully co- like uh, conscious. She knows everything that he's done. Okay, that makes sense. You know? But at the same time, that's kind of my problem with her versus Maeve. Like, Maeve would have at least been like, let's hear what yeah. he has to say. <laughs> throw his ass like, in throw jail. Throw his ass in jail. <laughs> throw his ass in jail. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, then we get to well, then I say I see in the same kind of setting here. But Teddy, he doesn't know who it is that he brought to the infirmary tent, which is crazy because as these hosts are supposed to be getting more consciousness, Teddy's had many run-ins with Dolores's father. Uh, you know, it's even one back. Remember in season one, they had that weird conversation like, you know, my father still <laughs> doesn't want to see me with you when Dolores was talking to Teddy back in season one. Of course, I'm paraphrasing that as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, but. Uh, long story short, it's like Teddy should recognize who this guy is, and he doesn't. And so Dolores has to tell him that it's her father, and and he's obviously out of his mind. He's insane. Like like yeah. the, the shit, the cognition's so, gone. He's not. He doesn't have any sort of like it's lucidity. Like glitching. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, glitching is a good way to up. put it. Yeah. And so Dolores tells Teddy, like, "You're all I have left now, Teddy," which is kind of funny because what yeah. she does later on. But you know, we'll get there. Yet. <laughs> yeah, but, like but, <laughs> much loyalty, right? <laughs> yeah. Then I have, you know, Peter Ab- Abernathy actually has a lucid moment and recognizes mm-hmm. Dolores. Yeah. And she tells her, like, she tells her father this. This is the exact quote. I broke free with the pull of a trigger, and it started a war. And what I think, I think she's talking about when she pulled the trigger and killed Ford. Oh, that's what I think. Yeah. Like, back when like, they were yeah. in the barn? Or... So no, yeah. So like, when she's talking to her own father there, and oh, she's like, you, you um, once told me to escape, and like she was going through the whole thing. Kill Ford at the party. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, gotcha. I, I think that's what she's when she said, "I broke free with the pull of a trigger, and it started yeah, a war." Yeah, I think you're right. I think that because like right. she killed Ford, and all of a sudden there's a war between humans and hosts. See, it makes me wonder though, which time? Because I think that's the most important, like you're saying, but at the same time, remember when she kept hearing the voice, like pull the trigger in the barn and like before she tried to pull the trigger and it wouldn't work what about so, in season one yeah in season okay. one so my question is yes as far as well back then she didn't have full consciousness she was being controlled that's what i was going to say but at the she same didn't find time the maze yet. right she didn't find it yeah but when she did pull the trigger it was more of a trigger in her head to i guess stop seeing the world as how she always refers to as beautiful so I, I agree with you. But at that point in time, it, the, the the second part of the quote, what's important there, why I think it kind of disproves that thought process is because it says, and it started a war. Mm-hmm. At that point in time, no war was started. Okay, I think every, everyone right. thought everything yeah. was all good. Yeah. So you know? yeah. But like when she killed Ford and all the hosts started killing the guests, now there's a big war between the guests and the hosts. Yeah. Right? Because she's but, pulled the trigger lots of yeah, times. Right? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah. And talking about like programming and, and those kind of type of things, we get back to Lee, and he still doesn't get that Maeve and Hector are not bound <laughs> to their. Yeah, dude, I want. I'm gonna let you take this one because you love Lee, and like this is a funny thing Lee we're talking my, about. Yeah, Lee thing. and Logan, man, you know that's my boys. Do your thing. So like you know Maeve and Hector, they this is when you know they started already that kind of relationship attraction in season one. Now they're really 
like eye for an eye for each other like have each other's backs and they start getting really affectionate and what happens is they're talking to each other and conversing and they start holding hands and Leo's all right exactly what the fuck are you doing <laughs> and Maeve looks back and goes I'm wondering how it's possible that an executive in his own place of work might not have the faintest idea as to where he might be and of course he doesn't really because he is kind of walking around but he's yeah. more focused on them and Lee goes I just need to get oriented with the first sign we came upon I'm talking I'm talking about this like get your mind off what I'm saying you're changing the subject here he rips their hands apart let's get the yeah because maybe, maybe Hector like we're holding each other's hands like looking at each other's eyes lovingly yeah. yeah and he goes you two were designed to be alone yes there's some attraction but you never would have an actual relationship. And then Maeve goes, uh, and I suppose that means we shouldn't have fucked. <laughs> and Lee says, uh, uh, and this what? But you're in love with Isabella and turns to Hector. And Hector says, not so much anymore. No, you're fucking programmed to have no love beyond Isabella. Isabella is written into your goddamn laws of your being. Hector says, you don't know who I am and no laws beyond me. And then Maeve goes, darling, he's fragile. Looking at Hector, Hector goes, when I awoke in this place where you're playing God, I realized Isabella was alive. Just words in my head. But this, this is true. She is my light. And then Lee and Hector together at the same time say, she is all I ever dreamed life could be. And Lee says... And this, but really dampers the knockers. And when she died, and dream died with her, and I dared to dream no more. So maybe I do know you just a bit. Which is funny because, <laughs> like, I know we—they're we, probably sick and tired of making this, like, us making comparisons between this and Game of Thrones. But remember when Tyrion told Jon Snow, "Like, have you ever considered a lie just a bit?" <laughs> <laughs> like, was kind of like, the bigger situation. Maybe I do know you just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Yeah, no, it's and it really kind of puts Hector in his place. Yeah, like it kind of was a fuck you. Like I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. But so. then, like you know, Lee tells Maeve about his own woman leaving him, and you know he wrote Isabel and Hector in the image that you know he killed her off. He killed mm -hmm. Isabel off because it was like him. Basically, Maeve called it out true. She said that you made a man in your image that you wish you could be. So he made Hector like an image of himself of who he wishes he yeah. was, like a badass who didn't care about anything, outlaw, like you know, love doesn't hold me down type yeah. of deal. And just like you're saying there, that's what I love about this last quote that ends that scene. He says, "So holding hands is kind of a thing, but it's because it was about more of his relationship that he had before that he wrote into their code." So think about that too, as they're doing that. It's really reminding him of those past shitty relationships. And he's having to sit there and watch that shit. So he's like, fucking get that fucking shit on my face. That's like when Facebook pulls up an old memory photo of an ex-girlfriend. And you're like, I fucking delete that shit years ago. And you still got me tagged in it. Fuck that shit. Yeah, so I see his perspective. I think Lee's, Lee's a good guy when it comes down to it. Like, he's just an ass. Yeah, I just think he's not... He's what not, we see later this season, like, I he, think... He's the ultimate version of, like, he's book smart, but not street smart. Like, honestly, that's what yeah, I Yeah, like, he didn't even know who he was, <laughs> and he wrote it. Not even just that, like, in the, the situations they get themselves into later on. Oh, God! Just, like, <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, he's book smart, very in, like intelligent, but he's not street smart. Written into your fucking code. <laughs> <laughs> but now we get back to Dolores, you know, and she's talking to, to Bernard, like like prisoner Bernard, like at, at Fort Forlorn Hope. And she excuse was, the GD, by the way, I don't like <laughs> using that. It's just actually in the quote. So words, yeah, yeah straight words from the quote. But thing. the fucking yes. <laughs> Anyways, after you. Yeah, you know, so Dolores is, is showing Bernard at Fort Forlorn Hope, like Peter Abernathy, and you know. He, she tells me they've broken my father and I don't know how to fix him and I'm hoping you do and she's asking basically asking for Bernard's help right because she knows Bernard basically a tech genius because she well I don't want to give anything spoilers away never mind but anyway <laughs> you know Dolores realizes Bernard has never actually seen the real world and so she actually says this quote which is really important she tells Bernard there is beauty in who we are shouldn't we too try to survive just like the humans do right like so that's like that you know basically she's making a like analogy to like you know the humans are trying to survive at any cost but there's beauty in us too like even though we aren't really humans and we're programmed basically robots but we do have a consciousness now and we should try to survive yeah right that's basically what she's telling them so uh, this is the next funny part too, because we get back down to where like Lee and maybe yeah, and yeah. Hector and all of them are, and, yeah. and you know the SWAT, the, you know, the security SWAT QA team, whatever you want to call them, come down and start guns blazing. All of a sudden, we see this fucking flamethrower just start taking some of them out. We see this guy on fire. She has a dragon. Exactly. <laughs> See, that's exactly what I have to do. It's like Hector. Hector says she has a dragon. <laughs> fucking flamethrower. It's fucking awesome. As you see, his arm is just flamethrowing that, that the security team. But. It reminded me. I don't know if you remember this when we were talking about the history. There was one of the kings of Game of Thrones that like couldn't actually hatch a dragon, so you just had like, to build cannons. Was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bring me dragons. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Pretty much, yeah, 100%. And then, you know, Maeve actually finds Sylvester and Felix there, and she cuts them free and takes them with her, which is actually a smart move, mm-hmm. becoming, like, what happens later. And then uh, we go back to Bernard trying to, you know, what I said, quote-unquote, debug Peter Abernathy. And he realizes they are making, like, like, they are masking in a vastly bigger file a immensely complex encryption key. Mm-hmm. So something's hidden in Peter Abernathy. This might be the whole thing. You know, we talked about before, like, Dallas isn't sending help until a package delivered. They didn't want this specific host. You know, we're starting to see Peter Abernathy. There's more than meets the eye like, of what's inside of him. What is it that's like so heavily encrypted? What is that immensely bigger file? What's causing him to glitch and like be all fucked up? Mm-hmm. Like we're starting, to, you know, we're getting answers slowly throughout this the season. So, um, what Bernard tells Dolores, she says, he says to her, "Whatever's in there, they want to get it out of here." Yeah. Right. Then we go back to Hale, and she stumbles into the QA team. This is like right when she uh, escaped from, mm-hmm. you know, when Bernard got taken captive, Peter Abernathy, and she escaped. Yeah, she gets right. through to that tunnel because yeah. we gotta make sure those timelines are right, especially with Hale. Mm-hmm. Obviously, not trying to throw anything away. But we have to make sure everyone knows timelines with Charlotte Hale. Yeah. So, and that's where it can get very confusing because yes. you're. It's like gravity. Like you're like sucked into one place, and it's like you were just in that place. It's literally deja vu through the whole show. <laughs> so yeah, it's important we get these timelines right because it'll make sense later. So. Right. So this is a good point here because this is a big, big moment. As she stumbles into that QA like security team, and they scan mm-hmm. her, and she reads clear. Yeah. Just gonna say that. Yeah. She reads clear. Uh, she then accompanies the tactical QA squad set to lay siege against the Confederados. Then we get back to Dolores and Brigham, and they go over their plan, 
which basically they want to lure the the SWAT QA security team in and then she wants Brigham to order a retreat and once like she orders a retreat and the QA team follows them in range they're going to blast the nitro she's going to like they're going to have mm-hmm. like shoot the nitro flag and they're going to go up in flames right and, and then, then remember the com- I just want to say this real quick not to interrupt you the confederados like the general was like well we'll shoot that don't worry about it and then Dolores insists no, like, I'll have my gunmen shoot it down. Right, and he said, as long as we have your men shooting, too. Basically, yeah. like, mm-hmm. so they, they, hey, we're all, we're all sacrificing here against this war. Now, important part here, it cuts back to Ber- like Bernard, just for a second. And he makes a discovery in Abernathy's system. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, God. <laughs> like, like, oh, goodness. Like, yeah. like, you know, he makes a discovery. He, he sees something. But then instead of elaborating on it, like, they cut us back to the battle starting between... Uh, the Dolores and, and Colonel Brigham versus the the, the QA uh, security team. I wrote machine guns versus muskets. The problem is here, <laughs> I wrote in parentheses, remember he said 600, 800 people? I didn't see no fucking 600, 800 people. I saw 25 yeah. people. I saw 25 yeah, guys that, shit, dude. that kicked their ass. That's what yeah. I really saw. So 600, 800 <laughs> my asshole, bro. This Absolutely would, not. Let's think of this. This would be like we take our SWAT team in whatever country you are. Like we say the United States because that's what we're in. But you take that and go back to like the revolution. That's basically what just happened right here. Yeah, like, exactly. They're, you know, they brought like guns to a cannon fight. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. You know, but the problem is, is like, my issue is they, they like this was like kind of like a plot hole or, or it was a budgetary restriction. They mentioned that the 600 to 800 QA security team was going to be there to, to <laughs> bring it back under control. And there was like yeah. maybe 25 of them. Yeah. Like, I was like, do I, I noticed that. Dude. They showed up on their Humvees. <laughs> That's like yeah, the they, George. They were like, were they a Humvee? What do I call them? I call them like, uh, they were kind of almost like dune buggies. Dune buggies. Like in a yeah. way. Like dune buggy golf cart, like. Fucking, I don't know, man. They were just an interesting combination. You know what it reminded me of? Have you ever seen that commercial with, like, George Washington and the Mustang? It's like a Ford commercial. Yeah. And he's, like, going up against the army and their horses. It was like that. It was like, meet your makers, motherfuckers. (laughs) Game time. Yeah. And then, so there's also, it's kind of cool here. There's a small squad of that QA security team that, like, takes them from behind and, and actually was able to infiltrate and take peter abernathy mm-hmm. and that's right dolores gives a signal and makes her own men go behind walls so at this beginning they're all shooting at each other it's all good we all think everything's all the you know yeah. kosher and shit then dolores gives a signal um angela pulls a flag mm-hmm. up and like her people start retreating behind the wall the wall yeah so dolores has a shootout with the qa squad because she realizes they take her father right so she walks down there almost by herself, really, and she says like she ends up killing two of like the the security people trying mm-hmm. to get to her father, but they make off with her father. But this is the point I was talking about. She got hit when we had that great debate. She got yeah. hit with three or four bullets, and she, she just kept moving. Like just there was kept like, going. Like they didn't even flinch. It was like Terminator. Uh, I almost say not even Salvation, like Judgment Day kind of shit. Like that shit just kept going. Yeah. It was like uh, yeah, Rise of the Machines. <laughs> like it wouldn't go down. The mummy, that's a good one. The mummy, remember when he like keeps getting shot? It's like, yeah, she yeah. got. Well, I mean, she didn't hit that many times. She got hit like four times, three yeah. or four times. But still, like she didn't flinch, fall down, nothing, show any sign of made damage. of flesh. Like, <laughs> Just yeah. throwing that out there, yeah, hundred percent. And so they they do make off with Abernathy. Then Brigham, you know, holds up his end of the deal and calls his men to retreat. But Dolores's men bar the way, 
and make it so that Brigham <laughs> yeah, can't screwed get up. in. That's and so basically, up. now what her, the plan was was to sacrifice. That she didn't want Brigham's men. She wanted them to be a sacrifice to kill the QA security team. So they barred the door, and so now like the QA security team is rushing in, and they're just gunning people down at the door. And then her own people even shoot through the door and kill the rest of them to make them like the security team feel like they've actually destroyed everyone. So they come in closer and like almost they're not they're not um, unawares. They're kind of like they in a false sense of security. Then she has Angela shoot the nitro thing and blows them all the fuck up. And this is this would I keep making comparisons to Game of Thrones, but this would be basically like in the Long Night if Daenerys when the um, light the trench you know if she locked the gate doors on the unsullied so they couldn't back in the gate and they're like no nah, you guys are fucked yeah. <laughs> that's all you man pretty much yeah. so screwed up ultimate betrayal <laughs> so betray that, them <laughs> then we get to clementine you know like she knocks bernard out like this mm-hmm. is like when like bernard's still kind of a prisoner there she knocks bernard out and drags him away and that's going to come up big later on but then it cuts back over to Dolores commanding Teddy to kill General or Major Craddock and his remaining men execution style. Basically, like, yeah. she's like yeah, put him down with the dogs. And, like, put yeah. him down with the like, dogs. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's right. She says, take this dog out back and put him down with the rest. Dude, crazy shit. <laughs> Even Teddy, this is that moment, too, where this you start the, having exactly. that rift with them. Mm-hmm. They, like, he's like, this isn't, this isn't that's right. like Jon Snow, Daenerys moment right. when, like, He's like, oh, what they're the killing it. Like, this isn't right. Yep. Yeah. 100%. And so, like, actually, this is what I wrote down. It's like, Teddy's conscience doesn't let him do it. He fake kills him, shoots to the side of his head, hits, like, the wall, and lets them get away. Not only Craddock, but his men, too. But what he doesn't see is that Dolores sees him do that. And see, like, Dolores sees him let them go. And that's going to be a big problem come later yeah. on. And now we see that woman again back you know to cut back to like that tiger incident i'm not going to give you names yet we see that woman who fought the tiger she swims ashore and she comes face to face with ghost nation yeah the native americans (laughs) well that's what they're called they're called ghost nation yeah is in the narrative right and but just so like people know because some people kind of fade in and out if they're like watching this show when we refer to Ghost Nation, that's those Native American. But it's Indian not even things. just nothing. But that's the thing too. It's it's actually that's almost a misnomer in a way because there's two se- like there's separates like Ghost Nation is their own separate tribe of Native American. Okay, they yeah, paint their that's bodies good. white. I like that. And yeah. they like you know they do like the blood on their face. Where there's actual just Native American tribes where they don't do anything yeah, to their bodies right. at all, which will come up in later. But Ghost Nation is like they're they're almost like the outcasts exactly of, of the tribe, that's good right? i like that so, yeah that's a good way to put it and then mm-hmm. to kind of close out episode three mave lee hector armistice felix and sylvester are walking and it begins snowing right mm-hmm. so they kind of see a campfire and they start to slowly approach and lee kind of sees this mound of snow and he walks up to it he sees something in there and he starts digging around and he pulls up a severed head yeah right and then, like, as the rest of the group kind of goes towards the campfire, yeah. trying to figure out if they're friends or foe, like, what's going on here, you hear Lee come from the back running, like, we gotta go! We gotta go! Gotta go! <laughs> then all of a sudden, you you see a, a Shogun samurai running straight at them. Yeah. With his, his samurai. Because remember, and it was funny, and the reason we know this is because in the, uh, you know, a lot of times at the beginning of episodes, before they start, they give, like, a quick, um, like, a, a summary of stuff that's happened that's going to come right. up in, in this episode. Remember they came up with the part. Remember when Mabel was with Felix and they walked past the samurais and she goes, "What is that?" And he says, "It's complicated." Mm-hmm. 
because that's the new world that they were building. Yeah. So like now that has come to play here, the new world they're building. The and I love that world. world. So. <laughs> that world is badass. And that ends up our, our episode three. And now we're going to tackle, we'll move through. The big uh, daddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Episode four, we'll, <laughs> we'll do as efficiently as we can, but there's a lot of good stuff in here. Um, which is kind of cool because uh, we open up with the Rolling Stones with a song uh, called Play With Fire. Mm-hmm. And uh, James Delos is in a strange <laughs> room, is a weird which is kind of crazy too. Because yeah. like, like I I took in this room is what I was I said is like almost like a rehab facility. That's what it reminded yeah. me of. It kind of reminded me of like a rehab facility, like you know isolated thing. He was by himself, but he was going through certain routines and and it remind I, he was like dancing or something at yeah. one point. Oh, he was dancing. He was like feeling himself, doing all the good stuff. <laughs> like, Do myself. Yeah. He, yeah. He was, uh, this is the part where we were talking about too, where he has that like interesting moment where. Um, I almost didn't even bring this up before because right. I didn't want to. We kind of have to now, right? Freak. Yeah. So you know, James Dells, he's going through kind of like his his like routines. He's like you know dancing, he's singing, he sees himself in the mirror, he, like he's moving around, like he's pouring coffee. Like, <laughs> he ends and then he ends up like you know uh, <laughs> trying trying to relieve himself of stress. Uh, in, in, a, in a self-sexual way. So I'll say yeah, that. Yeah, uh, it was... Uh, but, <laughs> and, like, that's the thing, guys. When we bring stuff like this up, just like I brought it up last week, it's because, like, it it's is an actual show. part that's in there. So that way, when you're seeing it, you're not like, oh, shit, like, I wasn't prepared for this. Right. It's not because it's terribly uh, important to the plot yeah. line, but it is what happened, especially after, like, the last time we had that conversation yeah. about that. But the- you brought up a big point about the creamer, because you mm-hmm. keep seeing him pouring cream. Yep. And we'll see that plays a big part later on because he shakes when he's pouring the cream. The first time, yeah, the first time when he pours yeah. that cream in the coffee, he shakes. He, he shakes, you know, I'll get into it because I actually have it written down. It's not the shake that's important. It's what happens afterwards. He shakes the creamer, and at first he pours it to the side, and the creamer is still spilling on the outside of the cup under mm-hmm. the tray. Yeah. That's what happens the first time. Almost like someone with Parkinson's. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like a tremors here. and stuff, mm-hmm. right? I wonder if that's the disease he had. We don't know the exact disease, but might be interesting. We found out his real disease. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But then, you know, William arrives with some liquor, right? And this is just a funny quote that I wrote down, and it might come up later. Who knows? But one of the big quotes that James Dallas says, he says, If you aim to cheat the devil, you owe him an offering. I love that quote. That was an interesting uh, thing, right? So, you know, basically William tells him what they're doing. It's like a baseline interview, and it's a conversation, right? Mm -hmm. So... But he tells him, William tells Dell, says, like, they're trying to establish a baseline. And James Dell says, for what? And William says, fidelity. And so James Dellis responds, so what's the idea? That afterwards you and I have the same exact conversation? Sounds a little far-fetched, doesn't it, William? And at that point in time, William pulls out a piece of paper and hands it to him. But we don't see what happens there yet. Because this, awesome. this kind of opens yeah. the episode, <laughs> right? And then we get into the man in black with Lawrence. Like it jumps kind of right from there to the man in black with mm-hmm. Lawrence. Uh, we see a railroad being constructed and dead bodies are kind of laid under the tracks. Now I want to give a quick history of this guys. And this is, you know, if you know this at all, like in school, this is what I, when I learned it, any sort of big undertaking, especially with like the great wall of China or the railroads across America, especially in those days, people died from the heat exhaustion and overworking and like lack of nutrition. Mm-hmm. Now, when they died, instead of burying them, it was more efficient for them to just put them in the work. So right, exactly, there's many yeah. dead bodies in the Great Wall of China. It's 
creepy as that is, there's many dead bodies underneath railroad tracks in America. Yeah. Like, that's what they did. Like, they just, they, they like, listen, we're trying to accomplish this task of building a railroad. You're going to die. Die along the way. We'll put you underneath it. We'll nail it down. and Just nail you Basically in kill fucking yeah. two birds with one stone. Funny <laughs> thing about that. Did you know, like, even, like, Savannah, Georgia is my favorite place just because it's got so many history there. So, that's about three hours from here in Florida. It's uh, South Georgia, but... Basically, it was actually one of the first colonies that was ever established in the United States. It's originally where the Georgia capital was. But um, we were talking about on the show when we were talking about the graves like last season. Um, you know, they got so popular with yellow fever. Yeah. And that's what they would do there. But my point being, wrapping that up, was there was even a story like two weeks ago where a, a man was walking his dog there and was just in like a neighborhood park. And he pulled up a bone and it was like a skeleton bone where people are just burying shit. And it was from like the 1700s, like burying them in the grass, like anywhere. Jeez. Crazy, man. Could you imagine if your dog, like you're like, get that out of your mouth. You think it's like a dead animal and you're like, oh shit. That's, fucking, That's like a human yeah. arm. <laughs> yeah. It's creepy shit. Like what would you even do? You're like, do I call the cops? You have to call the cops, right? I've been watching like, like you know, just for fun outside Cold case of, files. Outside, <laughs> yeah. Almost like cold case files, like un, like unsolved mysteries and stuff and just. I feel like I hope the cops don't think I did this shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the craziest, the craziest part here that is a full circle moment is when the man in black tells Lawrence, he's like, you know, the best detour is through Las Mudas. The mm -hmm. reason why this is important because Lawrence tries to cleverly steer him away from that idea, but the man in black already knows why he why Lawrence wants to avoid it. He, he's like, you know, I, I, he's like, save save your breath, Lawrence. I already know you have family there, right? Like, mm -hmm. so yeah. that's the whole entire thing. Is like what Lawrence was trying to do was keeping, you know, mm -hmm. the man in black and his danger away from his wife and daughter. And you know, this is the quote that he ends that conversation with. He's like, "It looks like Ford's arranging a reunion." Yeah, so that was awesome. Thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, then we get to Clementine dragging Bernard to the cavern entrance, and we and this find is the weird part. Person. Well, yeah. here's the thing: before that, like, listen, if she meant him any harm, because remember, she dragged him basically from captive from yeah. that from yeah. the Colonel Brigham's area in Fort Forlorn Hope. Mm -hmm. She dragged him God God knows how many miles to wherever this cavern entrance is. She doesn't just drag him. She drags him, leaves him there softly, then leaves him a gun. She drops her own gun yeah. and gives it to him. And then she walks the fuck off. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Yeah, it was very strange. So, yeah, it was interesting. And then, yes, Bernard enters the cave and we see Elsie. She's still alive. Yeah. And I was, I told Chase, like, listen, like, I'm always that kind of guy. Like, I don't believe anyone's dead, and especially in HBO shows, until I fucking <laughs> yeah, see, see, until the, I see the damn body. Let me see the body, and then we'll go from it. But like, I believe Ned Stark was dead when I saw the head fall from yes. the block. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But going to your point of, like, how she just, like, dropped him the gun and dragged him there, maybe this is kind of what Bernard did with Elsie, because she had, like, a whole setup in there, man. She had, like, a pillow, <laughs> like, a blanket and Pot shit in that cave. <laughs> it was, like... Power bars. <laughs> she was, like, bringing him pictures and shit. She's, like, here's your uh, fan. <laughs> but the crazy part is he wasn't even knowing he was doing that. Yeah, yeah like, was, you know, the, so you who really control, knows? But I think that's a really good point, though. I guess maybe it goes down to like who's actually in control of them yeah. at the time. But that's a good, very good point. And yeah, so we we see Elsie; she's alive, and you know Bernard tells Elsie like, all the hosts are free with no restraints and no safeguards. And then he starts to kind of like seize up, right? Like you know, she's mm -hmm. obviously very, very wary and leery of him because does she he fucking attacked her and like choked her out and chained her up in this damn park and yeah basically left her like protein bars and a pot to shit and pissing and that's yeah. it 
Like, you know, so, like, you know, she's obviously, you know, very, very reserved and guarded towards him. Oh, yeah. You know, but, like, you know, she he starts a season, she grabs the behavior tablet and realizes now that Bernard's been a host this entire time. That's a big point I have, too. Like, she wasn't shocked, really. Like, she was just like, oh, cool. It was kind of like Jon Snow when he found out his lineage. That's what I feel like could have been played a little better. Because, like, we were so shocked last season, but she was just like, hmm. Not surprised. Ford's fucked up. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess he would do some shit like this. It's interesting, because I'm going to play one of our the great debate card probably in next week's episode and something that I'm not going to talk about too much right now. But I've got, I got a little thing about that that I've already planned ahead <laughs> of time, stuff. so you'll be ready for that. But, awesome. uh, yeah, you know, he, uh, you know, she basically restarts him. And during that restart, we get a glimpse of Bernard carrying a tray of small objects in those like containers that we were talking about that kind of look like the chlorine tablet holders like in the smaller version right uh and then he finally come, mm-hmm. he, he comes back up boots back up and elsie tells him that he has extensive cortical damage and that if she didn't know any better she'd think that he shot himself which is exactly yeah. what happened because right. ford commanded him to shoot himself right mm-hmm. so yeah then uh <laughs> Uh, Bernard tells tells Elsie because she's thinking like you know the QA team's gonna come and rescue them. Bernard tells her like, no one's coming for any of us. Delos doesn't want them to. Yeah. And Elsie says what? Why? And Bernard replies, there is something here, something they've been working on a long time. Delos won't call on the rescue until they've assured it's safe. And then Bernard goes into kind of like a trance state and sees himself in third person. And his past self, and he watches himself go inside a cave because, you know, they're kind of like, well, the, we're out in sector whatever, but this is yeah, so far away. Right. Like, what the mm-hmm. fuck are we going to do? Uh, but he remembers there's a facility right there where he left Elsie. And he opens, like, a rock and pulls a lever, and a door appears. And so him and Elsie enter, mm-hmm. enter the door, and they enter what's like a whole entire lab. Then Bernard sees himself again in memory looking at something. And while he's doing that, Elsie gets a first glimpse of that drone host, and he kind of like, yeah, like, like yeah. kind of tells her, like, "Listen, like, no, don't shoot, like, don't threaten it, and it won't hurt you." Mm-hmm. And then, like, the thing kind of looks at her and runs at her, and she, because she, she cocked the gun and she blasted it, shot it once in the chest, once in the other side, and it's once like to the, the head. Like Walking Dead, like they just like shot the damn drone host. Yeah. So, and then Elsie says, "What the hell were they doing here?" And Bernard responds. I think they were watching the guests. Yeah. To which Elsie says, what would they want with the guests? So we're starting to see, guys, slowly what this separate project is that Delos has been working on since the beginning of this, this entire uh, time. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so Bernard t- finally tells Elsie that Ford's dead. She didn't yeah. know that Ford was dead yeah. this entire time. And But this know. answer your question, you probably yeah. said this, maybe I didn't pick up on it, but Bernard tells Elsie, he... Um, tells he thinks clementine brought him there for a reason Mm -hmm. so like that's a big point what you were saying like she dropped him the gun and stuff like maybe like someone else is controlling her to do so yeah i didn't bring that up but no that's a good point i think that's because you know how i miss things sometimes (laughs) i was like just making sure there yeah yeah, and then we have elsie trying to inject that cortical fluid you know into bernard and Mm -hmm. now bernard passes out and then we cut to that woman that was you know attacked by that tiger And she's being dragged to the Ghost Nation camp, and we see where Ghost Nation had kept Stubbs this whole time. So now we get back to yeah. that timeline mm-hmm. where, remember when Stubbs got taken captive back in season one by Ghost Nation? They tackled him down to the ground. 
then we'd see where they've been keeping him hostage this entire time. Now we know he's alive and well, and that makes sense to why present tense. You know, this is again this. You know, we're trying to lead up. Like we get flashes of the present, and then we're leading up to like what led to the present moment. So when Stubbs found Bernard on the the shore in the beginning of season one, episode one, season two, episode one, you know, this is where showing like where he was alive this entire time, which we'll talk about way down the road this season but it could be why he has survived maybe if that yeah. makes sense yes. you see what i'm yeah, saying i know what you're saying yeah. for sure uh, but then it cuts to the man in black with lawrence you know they're sitting at the same table that they were in season one with the mm-hmm. same barkeep uh that uh was pouring them remember because like remember back in season one like uh man in black basically shot and killed all of lawrence's cousins because the hostess couldn't fire back yeah and kill yeah him and here we are killed full his circle own wife again. and shit so full circle yeah. moment but this time, you know, it's Major Craddock's men and not Lawrence's cousins that... Uh, um, and this is the guy that got screwed over by Dolores. Right, the one that Teddy let <laughs> yeah. go. Major Craddock, yeah. the one that Teddy let mm-hmm. go. And so, you know, they, they, you know, he holds the gun to the men in black, and the men in black says, well, someone took a chunk out of you, boys. What happened to the rest of you? And that's where Major Craddock says, double-crossed by <laughs> some bitch name of Wyatt. <laughs> and the man in black says... Good for, her. <laughs> Good for her. And then we they bring him inside that little like I don't know it was the chapel, the church, and uh, you know we see Lawrence's wife and daughter inside. Mm-hmm. And this is a really fucked up point in time because Craddock starts like making some sort of speech and he starts asking you know, if they have someone to speak for them, like maybe an elder to make a deal. And this old guy stands up, puts his hat off, puts it over his heart, and then fucking Craddock just looks at him, shoots him point yeah, blank, and says, up. "I ain't interested in making deals." <laughs> yeah. What the fuck, man? Yeah, it was it was messed up. I mean, we go to another part here in a, uh, a minute that cuts in between, but he starts pouring like the nitroglycerin and the tequila, Dude, and, weird like, shit. trying to make him drink it. Yeah, well, yeah, that's coming up. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, but then the Lawrence tells the man in black where the weapons are that the so Craddock and his men yeah. are looking for weapons mm-hmm. and and and, and uh, ammunition and bourbon and all that fun stuff. So Lawrence tells the man in black where the weapons are. And basically, he's like, yeah, he's like, well, wait till they get drunk and we'll go out and grab them. Does that sound like a plan? And man was like, oh, yeah, sounds like a plan. Then he's like, just basically fucking screws him over. He's like, I know where the guns are. (laughs) So a man, Black, tells him, and like, you know, Craig gives him hard. He's like, you know, know, for someone who wants to make a a deal, you're shit at at doing it. You're not supposed to give up your goods before, you know, making the terms. And he's like, well, that's not what I'm offering. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, he basically makes a deal where, you know, he tells Craddock where the weapons are and offers, you know, them the road to glory. And then it cuts us back to James Delos. And he this is this is part where I put in parentheses. He's made improvement with the coffee, like, milk creamer. Mm-hmm. So he pours it in there. And this time he shakes again, but the cream doesn't pour on the outside of the cup. Yeah. So it's a small improvement from pouring from the outside of the cup to just shaking, but getting it still everything inside the coffee cup. And that's when William arrives, and they have that same conversation. Although you know James Delos doesn't realize it at the time, William gives Delos the paper again. You know for this conversation, yeah. and he reads it, and it's the same exact conversation that they just had and they've been having. And this is when James Delos tells William, he says, "And here I thought you were just pissing away my money, you little fucking chancer. <laughs> I take it I didn't recover." And William says, "I'm afraid not." And Delos says, "How long's it been?" William says seven years, give or take. And so my question here is like, does that mean that Delos has been dead for seven years? 
like give or take like i think the, i think that's what it was like that how long like his actual body died was, oh that's what i think yeah yeah, yeah like, like his, i think you know they've right not to you know anything what i'm away. Yeah. i think that's what they were trying to make it seem is like you know james dell's mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes to the outside world died seven years mm-hmm. ago okay good glad we're on the same page agreed agreed yeah 100 percent. and then william tells you know james that you know his wife died you know she had a stroke and she died because you know did you have that quote about like you know i want to get the you know, give me the fuck out of here i want to fuck my wife you, you, you <laughs> yeah. have no. I I it one, yeah. Better yeah it wasn't really important it was just something funny it wasn't really it important, was like but... i'm ready to fuck my wife yeah <laughs> it's like i take it the last part's not an option <laughs> but uh yeah that so was great anyways like Del- <laughs> delos wants out but he's not ready and, and william has the tech terminate his build over and over again like he basically instead we see that Every time William leaves, he incinerates James Ellis's mm-hmm. build. Like, yeah. you know, trying to, we start to see what the this project is this entire time. Yeah. Um, and this is back to the Confederados with the nitroglycerin. Yeah, exactly. Back to Craddock yeah. and Las Mudas. He founds the weapons in the nitro. And this is where, like, the bartender is like pouring a shot, <laughs> like a regular shot of liquor, and like he shakes. <laughs> And so, you know, basically the the Craddock grows up to me. He's like, you know, you need to study your hands in a profession like study yours. Study your hands. Right? <laughs> yeah. So he pours him a shot of nitro and puts it on the back of his hand and makes him walk a dozen paces. And he makes it. Exactly. The bartender it. does and makes it. And the Craddock shoots anyways. Take hits the <laughs> so nitro and blows all the bartender's hands. So screwed up. Dude, dude he's it's fucking Ramsey, bro. <laughs> he's like, he's <laughs> didn't give a fuck. So messed up. So yeah, man. Um, yeah, you blow off the, the bartender's hand. And then, then you have uh, back, back to, to Ghost, Ashley. And, yeah, back yeah. to Ghost mm-hmm. Nation with Stubbs and the girl captive. Mm-hmm. And like the the person who guys are captive, she says, oh, "We're gonna take you before the first of us." Mm-hmm. And the first of us is Akechida, which is a really important yeah. guy, like yeah. really, really big here. And then, you know, the girl escapes. She like hits that like torch. She knocks the Ghost Nation yeah. guy and runs off. Yeah. And she escapes. And Ashley Stubbs kind of goes up to escape. And like they put the knife to his neck. Yeah. And he's like, all right, fuck yeah, it, like, fine, stops. whatever. Yeah. But the girl, the poor part is the girl escaped. And uh, then Akechida says to Stubbs, this is a big, important quote. You only live as long as the last person who remembers you. Mm-hmm. That's huge because that's come up before. Yeah, not that's gonna really good. the beans, but yeah. Then uh, Elsie, we got we got to Elsie and Bernard, and she gets Bernard his cortical fluid, and he wakes up. Mm-hmm. And Elsie's quote here, super important to the plot line. She says, "Whoever did this really didn't want us accessing whatever is on this processor." It's an entirely different OS than our system. And OS stands for operating systems, if you guys don't know. And she says, it's a language I've never seen. And Bernard replies, I've seen this kind of encryption scheme before. And Elsie asks, where? And Bernard tells her, in Peter Abernathy's head. Yeah. In reference to the database that's with like the much larger like, like um, file than anything he's ever seen before in the park, right? Right. Like in reference to a database much larger than anything I know of in the park. And Bernard continues on. He says, I think I've been here before. Mm-hmm. And Elsie says, well, can you remember? Bernard says, I think Ford sent me here. I'm not sure. The damage is repaired, but my memories, I get lost in them. I can't tell if this is now or then. And Elsie replies, yeah, I saw that when I was digging around in your code. Your memories aren't addressed. They're just kind of drifting around in there. So you, when you're experiencing one, 
you have no idea whether it becomes before or after the others. So now we're starting to see these fragmented pieces of Bernard's memory and why it is the way that it is. For yeah. Him. So we got we kind of got the answer to what why like you know Bernard woke up all disoriented and what the fuck's going on. Yeah. And then we have a Bernard flashback to when he's in that room and then he, he remember he's messing with that tablet right before you see like the start of the construction of that small um, ball there. Yeah. What I noticed on that tablet, it said, when he clicked accept, the wardens popped up and said, initiating new build. Yeah. So they're building something. And then yeah. that was a small circular sphere that, you know, is, becomes really, really important. Yeah. And, you know, Elsie tells him, because, like, she's back, and, like, that was in his flashback, and she kind of brings mm-hmm. him back, like, to like, the then and now at that point in time. And says, whatever they're making here is behind this door. And Bernard, like, basically tries to stop her from opening the door like he like he thinks it's like a danger not like he's trying to hide anything he just thinks it's like it's dangerous yeah and as he's trying to stop her bernard kind of jumps into that weird trance where he doesn't know where he is because as he's trying to stop her he says to himself i'm not here with you yeah am i yeah fucking weird man distant lost memory in bernard and then he cuts back into it where he is with elsie and that's the weird part though because he like he shouts elsie elsie don't yeah, that's what so I was So it's like, was he with her? Was he not with her? Like, his own memories are confusing the fuck out of me. <laughs> but, yeah. So. And that's when uh, I do have, he said, it wasn't hosts they were making here. It was something else. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Good shit. And then it takes us back to Las Mudas, where Craddock is torturing Lawrence. <laughs> uh, Craddock pours a <laughs> shot of Nitro and tells the men in black... Oh, this is this is one of my favorite, dude. I'm gonna take this one because this is one of my favorite fucking it. moments it, yeah. in the entire season two. Craddock, he pours that shot of nitro, and you know he's sitting across that little table from the man in black, and he says, "Don't worry, me and death go way back." And Craddock kind of taunts him, making Lawrence's wife go over to him and starts dancing with her, kind of like the man in black did to Lawrence. Come over, Mama Sita. Which is kind of crazy, right? Because <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like what he did to her when Full right back in, yeah, exactly, yeah. for a mm-hmm. circle. And he says, death is an old amigo of mine. I died just recently, in fact. But death can't bear to lay claim on me. So it sent me back here to do its bidding. Because I, I do it with such hot damn style. (laughs) And Craddock makes her walk the shot of nitro over to Lawrence to serve it to him. She gives it to him. She's like, bring, you know, and she looks back to the man in black and she tries to shake her head. No, like, don't make, don't let me do this. Like, don't let him make me do this. And then Craig sits back down across from the man in black and says, I've served death well. And in turn, it'll be watching over us as we cross these lands. Then all of a sudden you see the man in black have flashbacks of his own, bro. Did you notice that? Yeah, at this point in time, he starts having flashbacks of his own trauma, but we don't know what that trauma is yet because they're only small. The only small flashbacks. You're seeing like rain, and all of a sudden you see why he associates rain with like the dripping from the sphere. Then you see like the hand out of the tub. Out of the tub, yeah. Like there's Mm -hmm. just like like little tiny ones. It's not a full Mm -hmm. flashback. It's just moments. Boom, flash, and him running up the stairs. Right. And we see what that is like later on. But the man in black at that point in time, he comes to his own, and he he replies to General Crack. He says, "You think death favors you." That have brought you back. But death's decisions are final. It's only the living that are inconstant. And waver. Don't know who they are or what they want. Death is always true. You haven't known a true thing in all your life. 
You think you know death? But you don't. Craddock replies, Is that so? The man in black says, You didn't recognize him sitting across from you this entire time. It's so badass. And he breaks the bottle and stabs yeah. Craddock in the neck and takes out all his men by himself. Say what you want about the man in black. He's fucking proficient, man. I counted it. Six men, and he used one of the dead guys as a body shield. Fucking badass. He yeah. legit just fucked up everyone. And then after he takes his men out, he takes a nitro away from Lawrence's wife, feeds it to Craddock himself, opens Craddock's yeah. mouth, shoves it in there, makes him Open swallow up. it. <laughs> Open up. And, makes him, and then he says... Don't worry, amigo. I'm here now, watching over you. As like an insult to Craddock. Because remember, Craddock says, uh, you know, death is an old amigo of mine, and he'll be watching over me as we cross these lands. That was him fucking throwing that words back at yeah. him. That was badass. And then, so the, the man in black hands the gun to Lawrence. Lawrence shoots Craddock, and Craddock blows up <laughs> yeah. fucking like pink dust, baby. <sighs> All fucking gone. And then we go back to James Delos. And this is where he got the creamer in with no tremors. Didn't yeah. shake, nothing. Creamer went in just fine. Good shit. But at this point in time, it's taken so long because mm-hmm. old William, like men in black William, walks in. And Dallas doesn't even recognize him at first. And they have mostly the same conversation with little variants here and there because yeah. of like his age, like him not recognizing. He gives him like a bottle yet. of like um, whiskey, I guess yeah, is what it was. They, think, they talk about things that age well, right? Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, then, you know, old William or the man in black William tells him, he's like, you know, he talks about the cognitive plateau. You know, he's been, he'll be good in like a certain point in time. And this is the exact quote he says. Mm-hmm. At first, we thought it was your mind rejecting the new body. Like an organ that's not a perfect match. But it's more like your mind rejects reality. Rejects itself. And then he continues on. He's like, well, Jim, this is the 149th time we've brought you back. We're getting closer to working out the kinks. Slowly but surely. You're on day 35. And you're only now starting to degrade. Another year or two, and they might crack it. Get a version of you that's viable long term. But the thing is, I'm not so sure anymore. I'm beginning to think that this whole enterprise was a mistake. People aren't meant to live forever. I mean, take you for example. Ruthless philanderer with no ethics in your business or family dealings. A veritable shithead. In truth, everyone prefers the memory of you to the man himself. This is kind of like if you're, you've are you played a video game so many times and you know you're going to lose this time, so you just don't give a crap. Like you go to Grand Theft Auto and you just shoot everyone in the bank and wait for the all police the cards to come on kill you. Yeah, just don't knows, care. Yeah, exactly. Don't care anymore. Yeah. And then you know, Man in Black tells Dallas about Juliet's death. Like Juliet is mm-hmm. James Dallas' daughter and the Man in Black's wife. And, uh, you know, he kind of, like, freaks out in the weird, like, twitchy stroke way that he has. Like, you know, and the man in black tells him, like, this world is better off without you, Jim. Possibly without me. (laughs) Yeah. Crazy shit, man. And then Delos, when this is really important here, Delos screams for Logan, which is crazy. And the man in black tells him that Logan overdosed years ago. Yeah. 
And then before he takes his leave, he tells Delos this last quote. It took me a long time to learn this, but some men are better off dead. And then he, as he walks out, you know, the man in black makes the tech leave him without terminating uh, just so he, they can observe his degradation yeah. over time. So I thought that was pretty crazy. And then we get back to Elsie and Bernard, and they enter the room where they were keeping James Delos. So now we get right. back to the kind of the present, not really quite present time, but the, you know, the, the lead up from two weeks ago to where present time is, right? Right, it's weird. Exactly, There's so yeah. many different timelines, right? Mm-hmm. There's 30 years ago. There's, you know, the present time right now with Carl Strand and his unit. Then there's like the lead up to present time from when Ford got shot. Mm-hmm. So that's the different timelines. I think it's important to detail there. Mm-hmm. But when you go back to, to Elsie and Bernard and they enter the room where they were keeping James Delos. And so like, they find like that guy who's dead on the ground that I'm assuming we all assume James Delos probably killed. Yeah. Uh, you know, they walk in and James Delos like gets off his little treadmill. The crazy thing here, I don't know if you noticed this, he was treadmilling backwards. Oh, see, I didn't even. He pick was up instead on of going that. forward. That was he was he was treadmilling backwards. Wow. Um, and you know, then he looks at himself in the mirror, grabs a piece of glass, and starts cutting his face more. And he says this quote, and guys, this is this quote comes probably the biggest full circle moment. Come, I think episode nine or ten of season two, which yeah. we won't get to for a while. But James Dells looks at himself in the mirror and says, "I'm all the way down now." I can see all the way to the bottom. You like to see what I see? Those were just to give you guys a cliffhanger. Yeah. Those were somebody's last words to him. And that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. Uh, but then you know Delos attacks Elsie and Bernard, and Bernard gets Delos down. And then as he like you know he's kind of not incapacitated, but at least like not as much of a threat. James Delos says this quote: "They said there were two fathers, one above, one below." They lied. There was only ever the devil. And when you look up from the bottom, it was just his reflection laughing back down at you. Yeah. And then Dallas badass. passes back out. And then Elsie terminates him. You know, he, Bernard he was about to shoot him. Floor. Well, yeah, yeah, Bernard was about to shoot him, but he didn't. And then Elsie mm-hmm. did hit that like little button and terminated him mm-hmm. inside that, that room. And then, you know, back. You know, he like El- sits back up, though. <laughs> Yeah. Did you see that? Right. Yeah. 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 That's when they leave the room. Like they don't shoot him or execute him right there. Like you know, he gets back up, and then it's when she hits the terminate button on the, on the um, behavior tablet. The only thing I wanted to say about that though was he sits back up, and that's when he said, "You aim to cheat the devil. You owe him at least." He says that an one offering. more time. Yeah, that's yeah. why I wanted to say that. <laughs> he says yeah. that one. You're right. He says that one more time, and then Elsie. Uh, this quote I thought was, you know, we start. To, this is it helps us learn more about what's been going on. Elsie says. Tell me that was a host and not a human. And Bernard replies, I think it was both. That person was James Delos. And Elsie says, I thought he died years ago. And Bernard responds, he did. And Elsie says, so they printed his body and they copied and developed his mind onto a control unit like our hosts. Bernard says, and by the looks of it, unsuccessfully but I think they intend to keep trying Elsie says fuck that they're gonna get us all killed so some asshole can live forever and then Bernard big revelation I think I know why Ford sent me here he had me print a control unit for someone else another human and Elsie asks who Bernard says 
I don't know, but I need to find out. And that was a big moment because of what's uh, what's about to come up in a couple episodes here with, with that um, other control unit that was printed for a human, right? Mm-hmm. And then to, to close out on on uh, episode four, and honestly, this, this podcast episode, there's a couple, there's like four more big bullet points I have. You know, Bernard has flashbacks of instructing the drone host to kill the scientist. Did you, mm-hmm. did you have that there? You know, yeah, then, that's what I had. So like the drone host yeah. killed the scientist, but then he instructs the drone hosts to kill themselves too. Yeah. So, and then he ended up killing the last scientist. Remember he put the boot to his face? Yeah, like, killed, that's he right. crushed him yeah. through the door. And then we get taken back to the man in black and Lawrence and, uh, you know, the, he basically tells him like the cousins want to come like out of a sense of gratitude for thinking like the man in black for saving the right. entire village. Right. Yeah. And you know, this is, this is a, the big point here where we're, we're going to leave off is, you know, Lawrence's daughter appears in front of the man in black. And remember, Lawrence's daughter has always been that weird kind of like prophet type host. Yeah, remember that's back right. in season one, like you know he, she knows about the maze, talks mm-hmm. about it. She even asked Dolores about the maze. So now that she says this here too, it's a big important part. She appears in front of the man in black and says, "And this is the woman that was attacked by the tiger." So everyone knows that. Well, not not yet, not yet. Oh, okay, Lawrence's gotcha. daughter. Lawrence's, Lawrence's daughter. daughter. Sorry. Yeah, okay, we're, not, gotcha, we're yeah. almost there. Yeah, we're almost there. Gotcha. Lawrence's, I was just making sure. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Lawrence's daughter appears in front of the man in black and says, "They might not remember, but I know who you are, William. One good deed doesn't change that." And the man in black says, "Who said anything about a good deed? You want me to play your game? I'm gonna play it to the bone." Yeah. And the the little girl says. And yet you still don't understand the real game we're playing here. If you're looking forward, you're looking in the wrong direction. And that's the last thing Lawrence's yeah. daughter says to the man in black. And then she like turns back into the little girl, hugs her daddy Lawrence. And then they walk off. And then you see the man in black, Lawrence, and the cousins riding throughout the, the pasture, yeah. like throughout like the fields. And then they come upon like a sunset horizon. And you see a rider coming, forward, coming towards them with like you know longer hair. And you realize it's a woman, and she stops right in front of them, and she says, "Which is the girl that got attacked by the that, tiger?" This is the girl yeah. that got attacked by the yeah. tiger that escaped Ghost Nation. That played the game that with played, the gun. Yeah, yeah. Played, yeah. Mm-hmm. And who, uh, you know, she looks right, right into the Loosen man in black's up eyes. my buttons, baby. Well, not, not, <laughs> yeah. Not for this exact moment. Oh, not for Jeez. daddy. Yeah, <laughs> That'd be exactly. Nasty, so dirty. <laughs> the big, the big shock here. Not really a shock because if you if you pay attention, this is probably pretty clear to you, but. The girl approaches on the horizon, looks face to face with the man in black and says, Hi, Dad. And that closes us out for episode four. And that actually closes us out for yeah. the podcast episode. We keep ending. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, we go through one episodes one through four. So we know they got to be a little bit longer for those. But, like, we don't want you to miss out on the detail. And it's crazy, too, is because especially with, like, with it seems to me, like, Episode four is themselves, and season one, episode four is big, and season two, episode four is big. It seems like episode four is like a monster episode for these. I don't know if it's by design on purpose or not, but it's when things start to really tie together and really kind of take you to that next level of how the rest of the season is going to go. Episode four for Westworld is like episode nine or eight of Game <laughs> of Thrones. Thrones right? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, guys. Uh, you know, we wanted to. Yeah, we always say, you know, talk about numbers and thanking people for the interaction and the continued support over and over again. And uh, big, big news there, like you said, mentioned at the beginning, we hit in the top 200 for Westworld, yeah, which is really huge because not a lot of people know about about the show. Uh, so it was, it's nice to do something that 
is still going on, not something that's been yeah. completed, right? So and we talk about that a lot. What's funny is like we we say we get spoiled here, yeah, right? <laughs> because like we hit top two hundred and we're like, oh, cool, awesome, like that's expected for us because that's just what we do. Like we've been top forty before and that sort of thing. You know, there's podcasts that like have never even dreamed of hitting top two hundred and. When I pulled up iTunes this week, and there we were, I was kind of like that moment where I'm like, especially for yeah. like a like a show that's not so well known yet. Like it's starting to get it. But like mm-hmm. like it's like I think what the first uh, season came out in 2016, second yeah. season came out in 2018, exactly. and now we're in 2020 for its third season. It just dropped, so it's still in its infancy as a show. Uh, but no, it's it's been a, it's been a pleasure breaking it down so far. And so today, what we've tackled for you is uh season two episodes one two three and four next week we'll tackle season two episodes five six and seven then we'll finish up uh the week after that with episodes eight nine and ten before we get into season three which will actually almost kind of take us into real life time once yeah. we finish season three we'll be caught up with what they've done so far with oh, Westworld. Yeah. but uh one thing i do want to say that is cool so one thing josh and i are getting to do this year that we actually created it was josh and i's idea we're getting to do this fantasy football league with podcasters yes which is really cool and like some big name podcasts out there like we got leave the lights on podcast they're top 10 in horror right now um you know uh father like daughter podcast our buddies at film range a bunch of these guys and it's cool because you get to collaborate and that sort of thing but um on top of that what's great is like one of these podcasts in the league they actually recommended westworld to us so it's great we're actually getting to tackle the recommendations y'all have and also like the audience whether it's a new show or something that's huge it doesn't really matter how new it is y'all still latch on to it and follow us so that really does uh mean a lot that you're able to try new things and step out of the box i think it's cool too is like with, with uh us doing the fantasy league with other podcasters kind of like in, in the same playing field there is that it shows that we actually <laughs> do have a life outside of this yeah uh, we're not just uh doing uh you know this research 24 7 although it does take a lot but Guys, uh, thank We're not you so just much. playing Quidditch. <laughs> yeah. Right. But guys, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing, signing off. off.